0: Hello? Hello?
1: It's all around us. everybody, what is up and welcome back. This week I have a, I guess I have an interview discussion format, um, however things work here, with Taylor Bell. Taylor Bell is the host of the Green Lion podcast. It's a pretty interesting show and you guys should check it out. You may have heard him on Where Did the Road Go on Sarai's show or you may have heard him over on the Conspiranormal podcast. Taylor sent me an email saying, hey, I'd like to be on your show. I've got some interesting stuff to talk about, you know, etc. Most of the time, as I say in this episode, when I get emails like that, I usually tend to be very leery and kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Because I get a lot of emails from people um, that like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about my new book on this or, or that. or And it just doesn't jive with me because as, as most people know, this show is different than most shows that are out there that are like this. I try to go into different directions or try to approach topics differently than most people do because I do this to learn new things. And in hopes of sharing those new things with other people, or at least give people a different idea on how to look at things. So anyhow, you I checked out Taylor on a couple of shows, and and then finally I said, you know what, yeah, you're, you're pretty interesting. you know. And I had him give me a call, which turned into about a good hour and a half conversation, and eventually I said, all right, let's just do this on the air. Let's just talk about whatever we're going to talk about, and let's make a show out of this. And as a result, we have what happened here. This show was originally three hours long, and I managed to edit it down to about two hours and seven minutes, and I'm still not entirely happy about that, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, This show, I am pretty much sleep deprived and over-caffeinated, and longtime listeners of the show know how I get when I'm like that. I had a lot of stuff going on that day, and uh, I just didn't sleep all night before because of a sinus infection, but I still wanted to soldier through and do the show. And uh, before we got recording, I contacted Taylor and said, hey, um, what the hell are we going to talk about? And Taylor said, you know what? I don't know. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about action if we have to. So, what follows is an over caffeinated row, um, pretty much rambling, and Taylor trying to keep up with me, or me trying to keep up with Taylor. And we bounce back and forth and discuss a lot of interesting and different topics, stuff that I normally don't go into. And I put a lot of myself out there in this episode. Um, again, if people know me, they know that I'm very, I, I tend very much to be a private person. I don't like to put too much of my own personal life and my own personal thoughts out there and the things that I do and so forth. And I do a lot of that in the show. A lot of it I did edit out, but I kind of kept, had to keep what was here in this episode because if I took too much of it out, it would have uh, messed up the flow and the conversation of the show. So um, more or less, this is an exercise in uncomfortability for me. And you know, it, it's good to take yourself out of out of your comfort zone every once in a while. And um, and that's what happens here. So we end up talking about Taylor's um, history about how. He grew up in a predominantly religious religious home, and he was more or less an agnostic, uh, a skeptic, atheist, habit, all of those different things, to a point where he is now a practitioner of magic, running his own podcast, uh, some of his really crazy and interesting experiences. Um, I talk a little bit about my experiences. We talk about magic, what it means to be a practitioner of magic, Um, just, you know, just things in regard to the weird uh, consciousness, uh, convening with angels, talking to people that have crossed over for the other side. And ultimately what it comes down to is this this stuff really happening or, or is it just in our heads? And it comes out to be, yes, it is all in your head, but not in the way that you would think it is. So having said all that, we're going to jump into the show, and I will see you guys at the other side. Um, Again, there's a parting here where I am talking to Taylor. The audio was kind of weird in here because he was recording on his end and I was recording on mine. And it doesn't always sync up right, which is another reason for the editing snafu. I put a lot. Man, people have no idea how many hours of putting the show together and editing that I put into this thing. But um, there's a part here. I ask him what his podcast is right before the end of the show. It is the Green Lion Podcast. And again, this might not be a show for everybody. This is why I put these little disclaimers up front here because we go into a lot of spiritual deep stuff that. You know, some people are just not into. And if this isn't your thing, that's cool. Come back in the next episode, and it'll probably be going into some different direction, as far as that goes. Lately, these shows have seemed to be taking this weird path that I think it's. This episode kind of will end that arc for for a little while. As with all things on this show, we always go back and touch on things again uh, later on at again another point. So if it's not your thing, again, turn it off. Go find something else to listen to, and wait till the next episode drops. So here we go. Thank you. All right, everybody. What's up? Welcome back. Today, I have Taylor Bell on the show with me. Taylor, you sent me an email and was like, hey, I'd like to come on your show. 97% of the time when I get an email saying, hey, I would like to come on your show, I almost always ignore them because it's usually topics that just don't jive with me or don't fit with me or what well, you've got a podcast yourself. Like when somebody sends you an email, hey, I want to come on your show and it's about spiritual cupcakes or something like that. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, this, this doesn't work well for me.
2: To their credit, nobody has sent me an email yet.
1: <laughs> oh it's coming. I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna I'm sure you're gonna get it. so i I stepped in my toe in a little bit and for whatever reason, I just checked you out. I'm like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. and then we talked on the phone and we said, all right, let's see what we can do here. Now, you have a podcast of your own, so what is the podcast?
2: uh, it's called the Green Lion podcast uh it's yeah, it's pretty new. um I think it's episode eight just came out last week, uh trying to get episode eight out uh or sorry episode nine out this weekend.
1: What do you cover on the show? What are, what topics do you go over? Where where do you come from when you're when you're out there podcasting in this world of weird?
2: Oh man, I plead the fifth. Um- <laughs> Welcome
1: to my what's your show about? I don't know. I've been doing it for thirteen <laughs> years, and I still don't understand what the hell I do.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: So are, are you like a paranormal show, or are you like me, where you just cover weird, yeah. interesting stuff?
2: Mostly paranormal and specifically uh, so far, at least it's it's mostly been magic related stuff. Mm-hmm. but ultimately what I want to get into is more on the philosophy end of things mm-hmm. um, and looking into some of the, you know the more contemplative, I guess, aspects of these things that we're doing. So like you know the paranormal, including you know ghosts, bigfoots, UFOs, whatever, all that kind of stuff. but also magic, also you know the occult, witchcraft, um, spirituality, religion, Those types of things for tea experiences and things that are kind of in the middle of all this stuff and just how the mind works.
1: Everything that I've heard you talk about, you've talked about from the stance of – which I really enjoy, by the way, how you do this is you kind of bring all this stuff to the table from somebody like, listen, if you're somebody new that's getting into this, you kind of explain it and put it in a way where people who are from the outside looking to get into this – you make it more digestible and palatable because – Magic and all of this stuff. If if you're not into this stuff, and if you don't really, if you're not really into that world, and you're trying to get into it, all of it can be very overwhelming. You know, for the most part. Like if somebody says, "Here, this is Nokian and you look at it, like all these symbols and all of this stuff, it's kind of overwhelming, and it's it gets to be like a lot of people just I'm, this is too much, and they just kind of push it aside or what have you.
2: Whereas, oh yeah, it's a huge turnoff. Yeah,
1: it's it's not it's not getting into magic is not something that's very accessible to the average person. A lot of people, whatever their calling may be, to get into it, you know, they they follow whatever path they do. But if somebody's walking off of the street into a a spiritualist shop or whatever you want to call them, and they walk over to the well, this is the magical yep. book section, and they look at it, they're like, "Where do I go? Oh, okay, I want to get into witchcraft. What kind of witchcraft? Well, I want to get into this or." You know, or, or, or people, you know, well, I, I used to listen to heavy metal, so I guess I'll get into Crowley. You know?
2: <laughs> sure. Well, and I, I actually have worked at a couple different occult bookstores um, in Minneapolis for since 2017. Um, so it's – I think that's been part of that whole thing of trying to be a little more introductory and help, help people kind of understand this stuff. Ideally, like in plain English, right? You know, I, I'm hoping that people – who don't know anything about any of this stuff can listen and get something interesting, whether they're going to learn all of it or not. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can really deep, uh, yeah, deep yeah. dive with a lot of this stuff, but at least having the surface be interesting to kind of um, entice people into those rabbit holes, I think is important.
1: So how many times have you had people walk up to you and say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing And I need to know where to start. So how do you get somebody started into this? Do you have like a, do you have like a 20 questions you ask them? Like, what are you into? What do you do? Or do you just say, this is what I did here. This is, you know, read this or do that. So how do you,
2: I'm the worst. Yeah. Uh, So, and and the reason for that is, um, so yes, the people, people definitely come up, especially, you know, working at the bookstores, people will come into the store and they'll say, Hey, you know, here's my life story. And I want to get into magic or, you know, whatever. I want to get into, um, you know, understanding witchcraft or understanding um, spirit animals or mythology or whatever aspect of this stuff that it is that they're trying to understand. And they don't know where to start. And my problem is, I don't believe that any one path is inherently better than any other path. The path that I, um, I guess, started on when I was first getting into the occult was, uh, very specific and very, uh, I guess I don't know how to explain it very well, but it was um, ceremonial magic per Rufus Opus's book, Seven Spheres, which is very um, Christian oriented in its language, uh, which you know, I was raised Christian, but I kind of dropped out of that in, in like teenage years. And, Um, it was, you know, it's, it's very particular. And what I've done since then is completely dismantled what I learned and created new things. Right. And that's where I think people can benefit is by creating their own elements of magic, their own, their own systems, their own, um, practices and stuff. The problem with that is that if you're brand new to all this stuff, you may not have any idea where to start with that. And you may not have, honestly, the faith that it takes to, to really jump into that because, when I was doing this in 2017, when I you know first sat down with seven spheres and decided to um, do the lunar initiation, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was going to do. I was scared of of what it could do because I'd heard stories. and honestly I, I was I didn't believe that it was going to work, so to speak. and then I did it, and my entire life changed, I think, for the better. So.
1: That's what happens to a lot of people when they get into magic. It's like, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't believe this is going to work, but hey, what do I have to lose? You know? Exactly. And that's how a lot of people get into it. And it either does work or it doesn't work. And if it does work, then it kind of starts people down whatever path. It is, and that's, it seems to be whatever school of magic they go to, and if they try it and it does that, or whatever they do, they might be trying to do something small and they'll do something, like, wow, that worked. Okay, now let me try this. And then they end up going down that path. And then you yeah, have exactly. also people who just, for whatever reason, they have a calling to go to whatever it is. There's a lot of, um, a lot of witchcraft groups and, and magic groups that I belong to on Facebook, and um, not because I have a path or anything like that, because I'm always looking to learn different and see, I'm kind of like, like the guy that's in the Marvel superhero comic books, the bald guy who just sit back. He's the watcher. He doesn't interfere. That's kind of what I do. I just go to all these different pages and all these different groups, and I'll sit back, and I'll pay attention. to What questions are they asking? How are they doing this? How are they doing yeah. that? Because there's always the person, well, I'm, you know, you, you always get to people, I'm either looking for money or I'm looking for love. How do I do money spells? How do I do love spells?
2: Those, those <laughs> you know? are two of the most common yeah, types, yeah, of, thing, types exactly. of magic things. So
1: you always look back and, and then you see all the other ones, well, how do I do this and how do I do that? So I kind of sit back and go, well, comparatively, it's much like religions. Everybody that's in a religion, they're all looking for the same things. What are the commonalities between all of these? How do all of these kinds of things work? And that's kind of where I come from. I just sit back and observe. So I, I'm very fascinated by getting different people on here from different approaches to all of this stuff. Now, magic and religion, though similar, are not the same. Like there's right. nothing really in magic, well, depending on what faith you follow if you're a Wicca or a different one of those kind of things, then it is kind of a religion.
2: There is religion in, in some kind of frameworks for magic, but not. I would say, yeah, not all magic is religious and not all religions are magical, although there is a huge crossover between both of them. But, you know, I think that's where you have a, a pretty big dichotomy between people who want to do, and, and there's, there's crossover here as well, but people who want to do, like, thaumaturgical magic like, you know... um, trying to find money, trying to find love, trying to win at the casino, trying to influence the out, uh, outcome of um, like a court case or get a job or um, pass our classes or whatever it is, that kind of very like down to earth practical stuff versus the theurgical and people who are are doing magic for, you know, f- for instance, to, to borrow a phrase, uh, knowledge and conversation with the holy guardian angel, right? Or to get in touch with, god or whatever something of Insert. a greater
1: beyond ab- above exactly. themselves exactly yes
2: yep yep and
1: then you have where those two paths cross
2: exactly yes and and i think that's where you find some of the most well-rounded people is where those two things cross where people have enough of sort of a a, a grounding in the um thaumaturgical, but they're also very well connected with like the theurgy and and the divine aspects of things and those are the people who usually are the most confident in their work it's what's interesting about that is they're also usually very specific with what they do so that's where things can get messy because you find somebody like that you find someone who all of their magic is quote unquote working right whatever they're doing it's it, it's working and then you look at okay well what system are they using what framework are they using because that must be the answer and the trick is that's not the answer, right? Because there are a variety of different systems, a variety of different um, ideologies and frameworks and beliefs that do work and that do kind of um, the same thing. You know, the, the same. I don't. I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah, I guess just the same effectiveness.
1: The problem that I've run into is that. You have this this thing where well, what I'm doing works, so therefore it becomes kind of like religion where my system is the yep. superior system. None of these other systems are worth spending your time in. It's like, okay, well, you do that well, I'm you know i'm 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 you know a, a toth or whatever. and you know my system is best, and it kind of looked down at everybody else and it gets really snooty, or you get the people that really annoy me where they're very hermetic about it and they don't want to talk about this stuff. It's like oh, yeah. I went out mm-hmm. and paid my dues. I had to go on and learn this, and that's what you have to do. And it's like, really, dude? Really? You're going to be an ass about it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'll share it's, it's unfortunate. whatever I know. And I'm not a huge practitioner. I don't make it known that I go out and I, I dabble a little bit. But I do have, for whatever reason, within the last couple of years, people come up to me like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in getting into this stuff. Where do I start? And it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like saying you want to build a car from nothing. So... Let's just start with how a car basically works, and I'll be like, "This is basic." I'll show them this is basic sigil magic. There's many ways of doing this. There is no set proper way. Whatever way works for you is the best way to do it. But this is sigil magic. It's very simple. Start with this, and then a few people are like, "Yeah, this really worked for me." What do I do now? I'm like, "Well, what do you identify with? Do you, do you, you know, yeah. go out? and Go out and learn everything. Go out and check everything out before you decide what you want to do." And whatever gravitates towards you, whatever calls to you or whatever seems to fit what you are, then that is what you should do. But I always tell people, keep in mind, just because this works for you doesn't necessarily mean it is the greatest thing out there or it is a thing that everybody should do. I'm like, don't become arrogant, snotty and an asshole about what you do. Be respectful of what other people do. Just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean it's not going to work for somebody else. You know, and
2: yep, exactly.
1: I see a lot in the pagan Wiccan community. A lot of those people are generally pretty cool. Um, the Norse pagans are, are beginning to make. Um, God, I feel like I'm talking about like like uh, like sports teams and stuff. The Norse pagans are doing a good, having a good year this
2: year. But well, there's yeah, I mean, there's there's good people and bad people in any group.
1: So, um, but yeah, that's where that's where I can look things from. I kind of like you know people are like, do you have a chosen path? I'm like, well, I really don't do a whole lot of this stuff, but I kind of like to take it all in. Mm-hmm. I kind of like. You know, I'm kind of like, it's, I'll go in and talk. I can talk to just about anybody about anything as long as it doesn't get too deep or too heady. You know, as long as it's, it's, it's not like, you know, it, but if it works for somebody, then hey, that's great. That works for you. That's, that's what this is. Um, chaos magicians, I, I, have always had a hard time kind of wrapping my brain around what, how they do stuff until I actually sat, somebody sat me down and said, no, 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 all of this stuff that you're seeing, that's not actually what it is. Chaos magic is actually very simple. It's, it's whatever works for you and whatever things you need to do to get it to work for you. That's what chaos magic is. So don't go out and buy all these books on chaos magic to right. show all these crazy symbols and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. yeah,
2: Exactly. Those, those are just other frameworks that somebody's created using those techniques. And, yeah, yeah, but
1: it's presented as this is what this is, you know, and then I learned later, I'm like, no, this is not what this is. That's just what their version of that is.
2: <laughs> and that's honestly, that's, that's the problem with a lot of um, elements of, of magic and religion. You know, it, it's really hard to say to somebody, this is what Christianity is. It's this exact thing. Let me preach to you about it. Because... Different people have different conceptions of what that means and different people. Yeah, there's, I
1: think, 3,000 different denominations of Christianity now or more.
2: And even within those same denominations, you have people who look at their connection with god or jesus or whatever for instance um as very unique or they see somebody else's and they question themselves and they say well that's not how i've experienced it am i doing it wrong you know but the truth of it is it's a very subjective thing it really it boils down to what you as a practitioner are comfortable with are interested in um and have the i guess the willpower and fortitude to accomplish
1: So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you two questions here and we can, you can choose whichever path this is going to go with these questions. Number one, you said you've worked at a variety of occult bookstores. Um, I know you have stories and I want to hear those stories. So you can either tell me about some of the craziest people and some of the craziest things you've ever dealt with in a store, or you can tell me about your, how, what led you to your path and the things that happened in your life to get you to that path. So which way do you want to take this? I'm going to leave this up. The, p- the choice is yours. Which path do you want to take?
2: <laughs> so I've worked at two bookstores. Um, the, uh, it's so tough uh, with the story thing because, yes, there are tons and tons of things that happened, right? But unfortunately, the most – like the craziest stuff, the most interesting stuff that, you know, that, that happened is often actually very sad. Um, because a lot of it comes from just you know mental illness and imbalance and people who um, don't um, have a real good grasp on consensus reality, which you know I mean that's that's really hard to say when we're talking about something as as ethereal and subjective as quote unquote magic, right? But I'm talking about people who come into the stores where you know they are uh, very clearly um, not living in the same world that, that you're living in. Um, I don't know if if that makes any sense, but so, I mean, there's, there's been some wacky stuff that, that happened. Uh, but a lot of it's just like, oh, like when you really think about it or, or, you know, um, dig deeper into it, it's just like, huh, that's a little much. Um, so why don't we stick with the other one? And I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to think if anything um, pops.
1: I mean, do you have the stereotypical guy walking in the door saying, hi, I'm interested in getting into devil worship. How do I go about doing this? And you're kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on,
2: <laughs> sir. <laughs> I, I didn't have anyone ask uh, about how to get into it. But we did have a guy come in once um, who was very happy talking about how he was into it and offering um, deals with the devil. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, he said, I, I can offer you a deal with the devil. You can accomplish basically anything. And I was like, I, I, I'm okay. And he said, no, I'm serious. All I need is $50 and a catalyst. And I, to this day, I don't know what he meant by a catalyst, but $50 seems steep. So I, I decided not to take that offer.
1: $50 seems steep. Sure, exactly. do you have a Groupon? <laughs> I mean, with COVID going on right now, inflation's going up. Souls and you know, eternal suffering is worth a lot more now these days. So, what are we talking here? You
2: know? that's true. If I get three of my friends, will you give it to us for thirty-five each?
1: Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, your other question though was was about how I got into this stuff. Is that what it was? I,
1: I know a little bit of your story. I've heard mm-hmm. I've I've heard at least one podcast with you. Talking about how you got where you're at and you seem like somebody who just, you know, is an average guy that just come from, you know, the average life and everything. So how does – I'm always curious about how people got to where they are getting into this stuff and everybody has a story which I'm sure also leads to – because once you poke this stuff, where I'm going with this is once you poke this stuff, it pokes back. So I'm sure – at some point once you started getting into the whole magic thing that strange things started happening mm-hmm. into your happening in your life as well that just all seems to kinda of tie into this stuff. So yeah, tell us where do you want to start? How do we how do we begin your story of how you got to where you are?
2: Well it all began when I was a child. Oh, no. <laughs> I was really into Dungeons and Dragons. And- yes. No,
1: just- <laughs> <laughs> I got to laugh because it was like, you can't be doing that stuff. That's going to get you into magic and the occult and of the devil. And I uh, look back years later, I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yep.
2: Exactly. Oh, it's so funny. Well, you know, it's like which came first, the chicken mm-hmm. or the egg, right? Like, what? But no, I mean, I, 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 I'm only half joking, right? When I, when I was a kid, I um I grew up in a house with a very confusing um idea of religion and spirituality. Um we so I was raised uh, Catholic on a technicality. My mom a, <laughs> what? <laughs> yep, so 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 my mom had a previous marriage um with this guy Tom who's my um sister's dad. So I'm not related to him in any way. I don't I don't ever gotcha. really see him or yep, anything. I have
1: family like that. Um
2: yep. So so she's my half sister technically. But so when um they split up uh one of Tom's kind of um, stipulations was that my sister be raised in the Catholic church. And my mom agreed. And she said, okay, you know, fine, we'll do that. Um, My dad was also raised Catholic, so it wasn't a big deal. So um, he was actually an altar boy when he was a kid and uh, my grandma on his side um, taught like Sunday school. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty natural thing, I guess they, they weren't really church going people for the most part, but it was sort of a thing of like, well, you know, per this agreement, we need to, you know, get Heather confirmed, my sister confirmed. And, um, I kind of got dragged along.
1: Catholic is the most, um, the most ceremonial magic of
2: all of it the is. Christian religions. It is. And it's, it's super magical, uh, despite them telling you that there's no such thing as magic. Oh, very, um, or, or that magic is of the devil. Yes. Um, but I, uh, I was on that same path, uh, to get confirmed. My sister's five years older than me. And after she, um, got confirmed, my, my mom and dad basically said like, okay, if you don't want to do this anymore, you don't have to. Cause at that time I was, you know, in middle school, I wasn't feeling it. I, I was, um, uh, I was exploring kind of myself, my identity, uh, my sexuality. And, um, as part of that sort of questioning the, uh, religious teachings that I'd had growing up, because a lot of that framework, um, opposed like, Homosexuality and and stuff like that, and I'm I'm pansexual, but at the time, you know, I I wasn't quite sure what I was, but I knew I wasn't straight, and um, yeah, so I decided to step out of it uh, before I got confirmed, and just sort of went super hard in the other direction, which is I became an atheist, and I I got really into kind of organized uh, atheism. So some of the podcasts that were going on at the time um some of the you know forums and a lot of stuff on the internet. It was it was very much the unpopular thing at my school because my school was almost entirely Christians. There was one Jewish girl, but for the most part everybody was was Christian. I grew up in in rural Minnesota, so it was not very diverse. Um but I uh, decided to be an atheist and kind of rocked that for a while, was really into it, was really thought it may be super cool. Um and was very anti-religious as a part of that. I was I was very angry at religion, um, partially because of the experiences I had in church, partially because of conceptions, uh, preconceptions that I had about religion, you know, from TV and movies and stories and stuff like that. And I just uh, leaned super hard into the materialist thing because there's no way God exists. You know, this is my, my 13 year old self saying this, there's no way God exists because X, Y, and Z. So let's check this other stuff out and, you know, science and philosophy, but leaning into, um, the anti-religious. And I continued doing that for a few years, uh, eventually got into college and my second year of college, uh, a good friend of mine who was, uh, one of the reasons I, I went up to the college I went to uh it passed away he he died very suddenly of um complications with uh, uh bipolar disorder and it's it's still unclear exactly what happened uh his i believe his parents are under the impression that he killed himself through um intentional overdose of his medications i'm not quite so sure that that's the case because of what happened next so I, I never talked to his parents after that. I went went to the funeral, um, but I didn't really follow up on any of that situation. Um, but what happened next was my my mom – oh, I should <laughs> – real quick pause. We're going we're to flashback to when I was a kid. My mom is – um, a medium. She won't tell you that, but that's exactly what she is. She's She is psychic for all intents and purposes. She communicates with the dead. She communicates with other things that are not people uh, in terms of like angels or, you know, she's described things like fairies or other various entities. And when I was a kid, I never knew whether to believe that or not. I always sort of was, was skeptical of it, but I trusted her because why would my mom lie to me? You know, that kind of thing. And when I was in middle school and high school and was veering super far toward the anti-religious and atheistic, I definitely did not believe her. And I was, I was very kind of upset at the way that um, she was describing reality because it sounded to me like she was nuts or lying. And again, I, you know, certainly wouldn't want to believe that my mom is lying to me about this kind of thing. Nowadays, after many, many years of talking to her very deeply about these experiences that she's had, about different things that have happened, I am pretty confident that she's not lying. I'm, I'm pretty sure that what she's experiencing is is real and valid. And I've seen it work a number of times. Um, one, one time that I kind of like to point to, I I don't want to really go into a lot of the details, but there was a murder that occurred uh, in the state and basically this guy had um, kidnapped and murdered his girlfriend and then killed himself. And it was, it was very brutal and it was, it was um, it was very sad because he, he he didn't just like kill her and leave her somewhere um, to be found. He hid her. Um, So he kidnapped her and, put her somewhere and then killed himself um in in front of the police station as sort of a fuck you, I guess. Wow. Yeah, it's it's oh, very brutal. Okay. And so the the police ended up going to my mom, because she's worked with um a couple different local police stations on some of these cases, you know, this this type of stuff. And asked her if she could get an impression on where they might find this girl. And so she did what she does. She sat down and uh, asked her her guides, her gang, as she calls them, for assistance, for help, and got some very clear images. Described those images, and then using um, his sort of last known whereabouts on his phones, like triangulation off of towers, they were able to find an area in that um, in that range that matched the description uh, that they went to and investigated, and ended up finding her body. Um, so I don't know that that's just one of those little things I, I've, I've seen her um, do a lot more for a lot of other people that at that, the time
1: it, when that happened, were you still in the atheist super skeptic mode or yes, were that you was, in transition? Okay.
2: That was closer to the kind of end of that. Cause that, that was, I would say a year or two before my friend Dan died. Um, but it was definitely part of that whole uh, arena of things. But, but, you know, I think, Disbelieving her was a lot more when I was younger. That was a lot more when I was when I was in middle school um, and high school. You know, into college, I started to listen to her more and kind of take her more seriously because as I was kind of leaning into that that um, atheist camp, it became very apparent to me when people are are sort of like lying about these things for for gain, for instance, um, charlatans and, and that type of stuff. I, I became better at kind of picking that stuff out. And one of the things that really always struck me about the way my mom does stuff is that she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't do this for profit. She does this to help people, and she doesn't advertise. She will just help people who ask her for help, um, and she's she's very quiet about what she does and about her gifts. Um, for the most part, she's, she's getting more vocal about it because I've been encouraging her to be a little more vocal about it. But for many years, she's been very quiet because when she was a kid and this weird stuff was happening to her, she, you know, didn't know what to do about it. And she was being honest and people picked on her a lot for it. People, you know, excluded her from things because she was sort of the weird kid, you know?
1: Yeah. When in my experience, when you can do odd things, um, I know quite a lot of people that do odd things and I've got this thing like I have a lot of people that will come to me and talk to me about this stuff but I never out anybody with it. Right. There's a lot of times where I make people with that can do strange things. I make a comparison to it to like homosexuality. Um purely because you're you're closeted, you can't talk about these things. You yep. you you have there's not a lot of people you can to talk about this stuff and if you do, you're often persecuted or laughed at and and many times a lot of the people that I know that are legit about this stuff are struggling to understand and deal with a lot of it, or looking for answers or something like that. Um, that's that's another thing. Yes, there's
2: a lot of self doubt.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of self doubt and and there's a lot of fear of persecution and things like that. I have friends that do all kinds of strange stuff that don't even talk to their spouses about this kind of stuff because they're afraid. Of, of what, you know, what people will think or what have you. Right. So, and it's like, that's one of the signs, like, okay, maybe this person is legit, you know, because the people that really can do this are legitimately freaked out and are looking for answers in some way, shape, or form. And there's always weirdness associated with it beyond that. Yep. Um... So I, I can get where you're coming from, and then also on top of that, your mom and you were coming from a very religious, um, religious family, religious upbringing. You know, out in the middle of the sticks in the, in the middle America,
2: yep.
1: where like I have a friend who's who does weird stuff, and they're having, they're beginning to come to terms with it, and are seeking answers and stuff. But when they were younger and they tried talking about it, they were in a very religious situation. They're told, well, those are don't don't pay attention to that, or that is the voice of God talking to you. Right, and it's like that's that's a very blase cut and dried. Okay. And I'll get out of my way. Answer. <laughs> you know? It's irritating. Yeah. Well, absolutely. It's almost insulting, you know?
2: Yeah. And you know, my mom, she was not particularly religious, um, compared to, well, and that's the other thing, I guess is my dad wasn't really either. Um, after, after a while. And that's, I sort of discovered that, in high school because I was always under the impression that they were both religious, especially because my mom talked about like angels, for instance. Um, but after a while, the, the illusion kind of fell away and I realized why we were going to church, you know, because of my, um, sister's dad. And I discovered that, um, they both had very different opinions than I expected them to have. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I actually told my mom a few years back when I started studying all this stuff, I, I kind of came to her one day and I was like, I figured it out. You're a witch. And she's like, oh, interesting. And she, yeah. she was she was never taught any of this stuff. It just happened naturally to her. But so much of what she does and how she sees the world aligns with things like witchcraft or things like, you know, that that type of stuff. But, yeah,
1: there's there's a pattern to all of that, too. Right. That's, 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 for, that's for another conversation, another time, but I've, I've noticed that there's patterns that fall into that with people that do this stuff.
2: Yeah. And I think sometimes that's how you can tell that at the very least that something genuine is happening to a person, you know, whether or not you're going to say like, oh, this person is psychic or is a witch or whatever the case is. At at the least you can look at that situation with with an open heart and open mind and say, this person is experiencing something that to them is very real. And I should listen to what that is and try to understand it so that I can sympathize or empathize with that person a little more. And maybe that will improve my worldview. I give you
1: a lot of credit because most people that go down the path that you did, they fall into that whole – I I, I have – I'm not a big fan of skeptics. I have a few friends that are skeptics and I have very few. And as long as they maintain some kind of an open mind, but skepticism in itself becomes kind of its own religion. It's, yes. it's an anti-religion, but it, it's the religion of, I don't believe anything unless I can see it, feel it or touch it. And even then those senses can be fooled. So that might not even be real either.
2: Yep, And that's, that's pretty close to where I was at, you know, at this time in, in college. Um I, I wouldn't say I was particularly like, religious about it. Um, but I was very angry and I was, I, I leaned very heavily on, you know, skepticism and atheism and anti-religion to kind of, um, uh, you know, um, repair my, my relationship with that stuff. Maybe not repair, maybe destroy, who knows. But, uh, so the thing that happened basically that, that kind of changed things was, uh, and I talked about this a little bit on uh, a different podcast on uh, conspira normal, I think. But basically, I love
1: those guys. <laughs> they're, they're cool guys. I, I I I I gotta give them a shout out. They're they're some of the nicest guys out there. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're they're awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're great guys. And uh, listener out there, if you're listening to this and you don't listen to Conspira normal, check it out. It's mm-hmm. Good stuff.
1: I've been on there a couple of times, I think.
2: Nice. Yeah. Um. So uh, basically, the day that. Dan died, um, the, he, he died at night. He died during his sleep. And that night, uh, my mom was awoken So here, This is the story I was told by, by her, the, like a day or two later when I f- drove back down there to go to his funeral, she woke up, um, in the middle of the night, like three, four in the morning, something like that to a boy, um, as she, were her words, um, in the room, in, in the bedroom, um, talking very frantically at her. She didn't know who this was. She never met Dan. Um, she she didn't know who he was. Um, she, when she has these experiences, she sees people in sort of her mind's eye. So she's not, uh, as far as I've, known, she has only had an f- actual full-bodied physical apparition like two or three times, but most of the time when she's encountering the spirits of the dead, it's it's sort of in her mind's eye and, and listening to impressions that she's getting. Um, so she's not like as far as I know, not like actually hearing voices, but she's she's very good at interpreting those impressions, those emotional um, kind of meaningful impressions. And what, what she was getting from this boy, um, again her words, uh, was that she needed to communicate a message to me, to, to her son. Uh, so she got up, uh, she got a piece of paper and she just started writing it all down and she gave me that paper. Um, I think I still have it somewhere. I don't, I don't know where it is, but it was, it was a letter, um, basically from Dan to, uh, to me, um, and a couple of our other friends as sort of, um, parting thoughts. Um, uh, kind of a, a goodbye and like, um, I'm okay. I'm fine. okay.
1: Don't worry about me. I'll be exactly. Okay.
2: Yeah. And, and part of that was very specifically. So at this point, all, all I knew was that he had died. Um, and I, I didn't communicate really any of this to my mom. I, I told her that my friend died and I was coming back down to go to the funeral. But, um, the, in the letter, it, it said specifically that, uh, he said basically I, I didn't kill myself this was not intentional I, I was doing what the doctors told me to do in terms of we, we sort of sort of take that to mean taking the amount of medication that he was prescribed or told to take and or that you know at least that's how he perceived it he was going through bipolar um, mania and some very intense um Swings that were kind of causing some delirium. So who knows, really. But from from the impression that she got, it was not intentional, and it was not suicide. It was it was ultimately an accident. Um, I never communicated this to his parents. Uh, I I sort of, you know, in the back of my head, I kind of want to talk to them about it, but they're. Uh, you know, they're, well, I guess they're Unitarians. They're fairly open-minded, but Mm -hmm. they're, you know, I'm not close to them and I'm certainly not close enough to them to bring something as crazy as this to them about their son, especially Mm -hmm. years after the fact. But anyway, it was a lot of very specific stuff in this letter. And part of that was a sort of scene um, that was like this river in the woods with this like big boulder or rock um, that he'd liked to, you know, in, 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 In the words in this letter, sort of sit on and fish from, you know, into this river. And um, that's a very vivid image in my mind. Um, And so one night, you know, uh, sometime, some days later, I was back uh, up at the city I went to college in and was trying to sleep. And, and, you know, as any good insomniac, I was not sleeping. Um, And I decided, you know, I want to try to do some meditation, I want to try to see if I can. Do something to reach out to dance spirit. And so I, I sat there or laid there or something, and I, I kind of got myself to this place in my mind. It's, it's a, a different kind of place. Um, it's, a, it's a clearing with some trees and and stuff it's a little more specific but that's you know whatever and i, we I all have of, our
1: spots we go to <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah exactly i've got a couple usually mine are usually water water oriented or water based but yeah i know what you're saying
2: yeah and, and you know i think i think everyone does you know or, or at least if you if you really think about it i think you can come up with a place that that feels right mm-hmm. but I, I went there and I, you know it was in the woods as well and sort of I sort of um, connected it to this image of where he was um fishing and I went there in my mind and I made contact as far as I'm concerned I made contact with Dan spirit and we we had a very in-depth conversation for I don't know 10 minutes maybe it it, it felt longer might have been shorter. And we talked about all kinds of different stuff, and that was the conversation that kind of um, blew my mind. Partially because it was happening uh, to me, right? So it wasn't it wasn't something I was hearing about or reading about. It was something that was happening to me. I I disbelieved it almost entirely at the time that it was happening, um, and I was very emotional. I the entire time I like as, as soon as I sort of felt like I had made contact, I started smiling, and then I just kept smiling the whole time it was like this this like very intense um gratitude and like relief um and i asked all kinds of questions i asked about you know about death and i asked about um where he was and what that was like and all these things uh what happened and why and all all this stuff and um he kept answering very quickly and it was I, i i was I was giving these answers lightning fast. They were not coming in words. They were coming so fast that my brain was having a hard time processing them into words, right? So I was I was hearing emotion and meaning, and you know, take an idea and then another idea and then another idea. But they were happening, you know, snap, 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 super quick, to the point where I couldn't keep up. And I said that I said, "Slow down! I can't keep up. What the hell is going on here?" Um, and he explained, "Time is different." Uh, time is not really what it seems, and it doesn't really matter.
1: I've wondered about that because I've got an EVP before.
2: Yeah, where mm-hmm. it was me and my buddy in a graveyard, and I. The yeah, the check the time thing. Well,
1: no, it was way. This was way back when I was much much younger. I I was like, oh god, I don't remember. I was in my teens, maybe seventeen or something, and I was at a local graveyard, a little tiny one. And this was back before ghost hunting was a thing. I was reading a lot of books by Hans Holzer, and I didn't tell anybody about this stuff. I had maybe one or two friends, tops, that knew about this. And I had a micro cassette recorder that was a thing back then. And I was always record only on one side because I was worried about if I'm playing, if I'm hearing something, what if it's something coming from the other side of the tape? So we're at this graveyard, and we weren't doing the whole ask questions things. We would just put a tape recorder down and just hang out in the graveyard and press record and just walk around yeah. and look at tombstones and stuff. And my buddy asked, um, I asked my buddy what time it was, and he was like, it's 9 o'clock or whatever, and blah, blah. And that was it. So we went back later, and we listened to the tape. And before I asked my buddy what time is it, you could hear a voice very, very clearly. And it was just me and my buddy at the graveyard, a voice very clearly say, it's time for you to get a watch. And right. <laughs> then my buddy answered the question. And my buddy was like, oh, my God, we got a voice. And we knew we were the only people there. And he was like, you had to have done this. And I'm like, no, dude. I, I How am I going to record on the tape and then record something over top of that? You know, he saw me open exactly. the tape. And it didn't blow me away that we got a voice. That didn't freak me out. What freaked me out was how did it answer the question that I asked before That's I asked the asked question, it. which yep. led me to believe. I'm like, time must work differently over there, A, and B – it was a smart ass and it was like I had a sarcastic sense of humor. And those are the two things that really got to me the most out of anything. It was like, yeah, I got a voice. I got that. Because I didn't have a problem believing that something exists once you cross over. But it was like how does it work though? Is time work differently? And and B, it was like it, it was an asshole. It was smart ass. You know? So yeah. <laughs> And my buddy's like, You don't understand, this is you know and I'm like, Well, this doesn't prove anything. All we got is a voice, but I'm like, How does this work? And for years that really that stuck in my head about time works differently over there and i've had m- many yep. people multiple times tell me that when they've had experiences they're like yeah time time is different we're on different planes and sometimes these things cross or whatever but it's kind of like you've you've got a collect call to make and you only have so much time to put that message through before your collect call comes to an end or something and even that didn't quite make sense to me but anyways go ahead yeah. i'm sorry
2: Oh, yeah, no, you're fine. No, and it was, I mean, it definitely did feel different, right? And, and basically what he had explained was that time doesn't really exist in the way that we think it exists. Um, I think, you know, the closest thing I, I've, I've heard uh, that sort of comes close to that is this th- this thing from True Detective years later that was, um, you know, and it's not even really the whole theory. I'd have to go back and re-listen to the, like, the whole M-brain theory or whatever. But the, the quote that I like is, time is a flat circle. Right, because it's we're, we're looking at this thing wrong. We're looking at is at looking at it as a chronological process of events unfolding, and really, what it is is something different that we need to look at from a, a different perspective. But, um, but anyway, um, part of this, you know, he, he was explaining all this stuff. He slowed down. He he kind of, uh, I, it was really weird because I started processing what he was saying. Um, quicker, right? I was, I was able to hear more clearly and, and turn these things into words. And then when I realized what was happening, I was able to understand it without turning it back into words. And I was able to just pick it up as emotion and meaning and convey my own responses with emotion and meaning back to him um, without words. And, and it was, then it got a little bit faster and it was, you know, it's like, uh, okay, let's slow down again. Cause I'm, I'm losing the grip on this. You know, it's like, I don't know how to describe it,
1: Your brain has to shift gear. I understand where you're coming from. This this sounds a lot like like empathy for the most part. So I I get where you're coming from, but it's a different thought process. See, we we process – most people process things, uh, for lack of a better term, in a three-dimensional way. Um, We see, touch, feel, and then on an emotional level, like everybody – that's why I don't believe in mind reading for the most part. Thought happens Mm -hmm. on many different levels. You have – you have a thought like, okay, you could be thinking about, I need to wash the dishes. But in the back of your head, circling in your brain, you've got, I got a car payment coming up. I got a car payment coming up. And then another part of your brain, you've got, I got to be at the doctor's tomorrow at three o'clock. And then another yep. part of your brain. So all of these things are all, they're like windows on a laptop computer. You know, there's all these different things. So it's just a matter of, of how intense that particular thought is in your brain. And then you've got the thoughts that happen as they happen at the moment and the time. So when somebody and says... And then in the
2: inner monologue where you turn those thoughts into exactly. words. And I, I do think those are separate things.
1: Yeah, exactly. They all process at different levels. someone says, well, I'm a mind reader, it's like, well, what part of the mind are you reading and how exactly are you reading mind? And then on top of that, you've got emotional processing which ties into all of that which is linked to all that because if your car payment's coming up and you can't make your car payment and you know your car's going to get repossessed that is what you're going to be worrying about so right. that's the yeah. thought that's going to be chipping away at you constantly and then it's like well I also have to go to the doctor but they found that I have high blood pressure which could mean this and that so that's going on but at the same time like I got to get these dishes done I got to get dinner going so all of these different thoughts are happening at the same time in your brain but at the same time you're washing dishes processing, putting hand inside cup, washing it out, washing suds off putting glass over here
2: you know right, and those are all thoughts but they're just they're subconscious and now they're also
1: actions at the same time so right. the brain functions on different levels so when you're telling me this and how you're interpreting things that's kind of how i interpret is that, that these thoughts are coming to you and you have to process it's not it's 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 not a sight a sound or words or a feeling it is a thought that you have to put into a different physical format to be able to process
2: exactly yep exactly okay. All right. and and to me that is how communication works it, like and this is something I've I've only been sort of realizing or thinking about or postulating recently um, but you know I, I have this sort of idea that underneath all of our communication there is just meaning and you know it may sound a bit simple but like and I think you know what I just said I think that the inner monologue in words is different from the the active thoughts that are going on you know. Um, even if they're related to each other right like you're you're having thoughts when you're when you're thinking to yourself or you're sort of talking to yourself in your head you can you can listen to that you can pay attention and you'll notice that the words that are coming up are coming up after you already had the thought
1: exactly yeah the brain right? processes and, in a strange way and when you have to actually sit down and process how the brain works and how it this is where a lot of people, This is where a lot of people like make the reference to like I opened up my third eye or whatever. Your brain, how it interprets and processes things, is a little bit different when you actually sit down and really pay attention to it. You can do some pretty cool shit. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Once you wrap your head around it,
2: (laughs) and that's you know I think that's a lot of that is like getting in tune with um, whatever it is that's going on and and you know steering it so to speak. Yeah, and Um, that is
1: therein lies the rub. That is the hard part. That is the hard part for me to grasp. So anyway, so you were having your communication with your with your past friend at this point. So you were essentially having a conversation with a different form of communication and your brain was trying to process how you were having this conversation because it was coming to you in the form of thought.
2: Exactly. And I'm doing all this. Yeah. At the same time, I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to talk back in words while also having the thoughts that I turn into words while also processing the thoughts and emotions that were coming from him you know for lack of a better word uh into words for myself to to understand it logically like in you know in the in the front right yeah um and then at the end of the the conversation i i i asked um is this all real like is this is this really happening Like,
1: no, it's all in your head. (laughs) Am I,
2: am I I really talking? Well, so that's the thing I asked, am I, am I really talking, you know, to the spirit of my friend, Dan? And he said, yes, this is real. I am really Dan. And you're really having this conversation. And then I said, as a follow up, is this all in my head? And he said, yes, this is all in your head. And I thought a lot about that. And I, I could not figure that out. I could not put that together for, for many years. Um, until, you know, one day I was reading uh, a book by um, uh, Lon Milo Duquette, which uh, I think it was Chicken Kabbalah. And basically it, um, in it, he kind of repeats over and over again, it's all in your head, you just have no idea how big your head is. Right? And that's that idea sort of stuck out to me. And that didn't make it Any sense to me back then when I was having this conversation. But later on, you know, after I got into magic and the occult, after I um, started studying and after I started kind of trying to break my mind a little bit more, uh, which I think is a big part of studying this stuff, by the way, is is paradox and trying to break down your assumptions and question your beliefs. It it began to make more sense. And I think I don't have an answer for what it is, but it, it feels like a combination of. Um, that you know, to to borrow a phrase from Greg Bishop, that we are co-creating um, our experiences, right? That we are, we are, in, you know, consciously or unconsciously, we are a part of what's happening to us as much as whatever it is that's happening to us is a part of that happening, right? I don't know if that makes sense. No, <laughs> or, I understand completely. Or if yeah, I should I light it. up a blunt, but <laughs> it's
1: a little weird to wrap your head around. It's see, that's one of the things with this stuff. A lot of people, we get so caught up in our daily lives of just paying the bills and just trying to do whatever we do that we don't see much further than what's actually in front of us and what we have to worry about. Getting up, going to work, paying your bills, um, you know, right. getting home, eating dinner, or watching the TV show on TV to escape for a little bit, that we kind of lose perspective of what's, of the greater world that's out there. Um, and I don't yeah. know, maybe COVID. I'm, I'm seeing a lot that COVID seems to have affected some people in a lot of ways because you're seeing a lot more of quote unquote awakenings happening. And I think it's because people were forced into isolation to where all they had was themselves and whoever they were with. You know, they didn't have the outside world to deal with. A lot of people had to work from home and stuff. So it kind of sh- shifted our psyche for lack of a better term. And yeah. well, it's been a big shakeup. Yeah, it's a big shakeup in. And the normality of things, you know, because you go to – I get up, go to work, I do this, I go here, I hang out with the buddies, we go to the bar, we do this, I go on a dating app, I can get laid. And then all of a sudden COVID comes along and like boom, all of that ends, life has to change immediately right now. Everything has to change. you're forced
2: inside, you're forced with with your thoughts. Yeah, exactly.
1: So a lot of people either went nuts or, you know, it was a big shift or everything. And and not everybody, but I'm seeing a lot of people – they're having these kind of th- changes, and I don't want—I I hate to use the term consciousness because that comes becomes a blanket term for everything, and we don't even entirely know what consciousness is. True. But the way of perceiving things and and just how people think about things and everything, and a lot of people have to have had to like sit down and hunker down and like you know they've had to like, I guess expand their horizons within themselves or something, so. You're seeing a lot more people that are beginning to come along and, and acknowledge something. They don't entirely understand exactly what they are that they're what they're acknowledging, but I'm also beginning to see now that COVID is kind of over with. Not entirely, but things are beginning to get back to normal. Where a lot of people are just like in a hurry to get back to that normality, and this is too yep. much for me to deal with. I would rather go back to the way things were. You know, <laughs> it's it's an odd sure. time to yep. be sitting back and looking from the outside, looking in a perspective at how people you know how people are dealing with change and changing and everything cuz again a lot of the groups that I'm in there's all kinds of different groups and I'm seeing all of these people like is everybody experiencing this or is people experiencing that or are people experiencing this and it's kind of like yeah everybody's going through this in one way or another
2: <laughs> right and 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 the truth of it is you know we're all going through this shake up and I think I think last year especially around this time last year when it was like really just the first couple of months of what was going on um it, it was it was a shock it was a cultural shock and it was not something that anybody really expected, um, you know. At least most people, uh, and, and it was both an opportunity. I mean, it was a curse and a blessing, right? Obviously, it's it's a terrible thing anytime a pandemic strikes, yeah. Um, a a culture or or, or uh, a nation, let alone the entire world. But I think it, you know the the sort of ability for our cultures to adapt and you know do things like. You know, okay. Well, now you have to work from home, but you can still work. Or now you have to, uh, you know, go on a leave of absence, or lose your job, or you're going to school. Well, okay, now you have to take school from from your you know from your house on a computer, whatever. Mm-hmm. That that forced everybody into the hermit, you know, to borrow a tarot idea, um, of sort of being inside, being being in this introspective zone. Um, where suddenly those those patterns, those you know daily worries, for instance, were uh, different. And you know, I think that's all it takes is is to make it different in, in order to kind of stir the pot a little bit and get people um, questioning their reality a, a little more. See, but- I don't think
1: some people can. I, I tend to wonder if some people can question I question if people can you know question their reality at a certain point because it's just some people it's just beyond them you know but going back to your, your buddy your buddy Dan yeah. so you had this conversation with Dan it was basically I'm okay everything's okay you know don't worry about me um, it was an accident you know yep. put yourself at ease you know let's, let's just move past and deal with this had you had some kind of a crash course of what you're going into, like if somebody had sat down and said, this is what communication is going to be like. Oh, oh, yeah. So would do you think like if you had to do it again, if you were to able, I don't know, maybe you have, but if you had to do it again, would you be yes. able to do it again? Would it be a lot smoother for you? Would you be like, OK, yes. yeah, I've had this class. I know how to speak this language now. And have that, you had more, was- more communication with them?
2: Yes, with him and with other spirits, and and so that was the crash course. I think. Ah, okay. Um,
1: First day of school. Sit down. Put the hat on. Let's go.
2: <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, yes. Uh, to answer your question, I have I have had more instances of communication with him. I, I've you know I've sat down and chatted with Dan a little bit um, since then. Uh, sometimes more often than other times. Mm-hmm. Um, most often, he shows up in my dreams in in really interesting ways, um, and then those dreams are usually. Very profound. I, I I call them you know sort of big dreams, mm-hmm. um, uh, just because of the subject matter, not just because he's in them. I've had dreams with him in them that that were not quite so big, but uh, but you know I've also had this sort of communication with other things that were not, um, well, a not Dan, but other other um spirits of people who passed away. Not every. Person in my life, there's there's three major people who um, have died kind of so far. um, One of my grandparents, and then Dan, and then um, an aunt. And for the most part, uh, I haven't lost any other people that are close to me. But um, you know, I've not really had much luck reaching out to my aunt. Um, But both my grandpa and um, Dan almost feel omnipresent. You know, they almost feel like. Like they're a part of me, and I think that's part of what this "it's all in your head" thing is. Is that really they are, they are a part of me, right? It's, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with um, Jane Roberts Seth material, but one of the notions that that Seth kind of puts off, and I, this is something I just picked up from Soraya, is that Seth, who's a channeled entity, was literally a combination of whatever he was outside, like externally. Um, think, you know. Dan, for instance, and Jane Roberts' consciousness. So, you know, me sitting there talking with Dan or talking with my grandpa or whatever. What what I'm communicating with is a combination of both me and them. It's not just them solely, right? That's that's how it feels, at least. But so it's the
1: it's part of what it's part of what they are what they left inside of you. Then is that what you're trying to say?
2: You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I think that that might be it. It might be. Um, an actual sort of external thing that was, you know, how we, you know, different cultures talk a lot about what the soul is and and sort of compartmentalize it into different pieces. I don't think we can really do that. I think it's I think soul or souls or whatever it is that we have are a lot more complicated than that. But there does seem to be a part of us that can linger around, and if not linger physically, like a like a ghost, for instance, linger in the the hearts of the people that we love, right? Um, and I think that's, that's sort of part of whatever it is that, that I'm able to connect with. But what's interesting to me about it is I was able to reach out in the same way or have communications in the same way, um, with other entities. So the, the first one that was non-human, um, that I really remember having a, a quote unquote conversation with or listening to was, uh, the angel Cassiel, which is a, um, a Saturn based angel. Um, which was a very interesting conversation. Um, It was part of a, uh, um, I guess you'd say like a conjuration or evocation uh, that a a couple of my friends were doing and they wanted me to sit in as a scryer. Uh, And I'd never done that before, but gave it a shot. And (laughs) it was was funny because at, at first, like I had a blindfold on and I was just sort of sitting there in the dark and I started to see images, which I didn't really expect. And I started to get impressions of like meaning and, and emotions. And I, I said out loud, I just remember, um, something along the lines of, uh, should I like say something if I'm getting images in my head? And both of them were like, Yes, absolutely. Like, <laughs> okay, the beings
1: that you were talking to told you to say yes. You're, you're doing, Oh no, my, my, my friends. Okay, my okay, my, go ahead.
2: my co-conspirators. Okay, um, and it was it was a moment of like, duh, you, you know, of course you should say something. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, my mind was just filling in images, and I, you know, because whenever anybody goes into magical stuff or occult stuff, I think we all have kind of preconceived notions of what it is that we're trying to experience. And it doesn't always happen that way. You know, like, you know, if you're doing visualization, for instance, like when I, when I do visualization of things, I don't, I don't see things usually in color. I I see things in dark and I kind of describe it as dark neon. Sometimes if I'm like, if I do the lesser bandaging right of the pentagram, I can visualize the pentagrams in my head, but they're dark. They're, they're, they're black on black. Right. But I can sort of see the lines and this is with my eyes closed. Um, Whereas I've heard that some people can experience things, visualize things, you know, uh, in color. I guess what, what I, I don't know, have you ever had like, like where you're like sitting down or laying down and you're about to go to sleep or you're on the verge of, of sleep and you sort of start dreaming, but you're still awake. So you're still seeing, you know, the back of your eyelids and it's, it's like, yeah, all
1: the time. Actually, it's, um. It's actually very annoying for me because I don't I don't sleep oh, no. real well I also have sleep apnea so I have to wear one of the stupid Darth Vader masks on my face I hate it yep but I, I have a hard time getting between consciousness and that period of rapid eye movement so oh God I would yep. say out of an eight-hour night of sleeping I probably spend a good two hours in one way or another in that state um, Some people find it cool I find it frustrating as hell because okay. <laughs> I've had sleep paralysis about three times maybe four. Um, I had a situation after my mom passed away where um, I was just about to fall asleep and I heard my mom yell my name, not in an angry or a help me way. It was just, hey, my mom just yelled my name and I jumped. Yeah. I don't know if that was my mom communicating with me from beyond the grave or not or anything like that. Um, but, it, you know, at the time I was pissed. I'm like, God, OK, you know, and then um, uh, I've had sleep paralysis three times. First time it was terrifying. Second time it was like, oh crap, you know, and it, it was scary. Third time it happened, I'm like, okay, I, I, I can't. This is pissing me off. So I, I've had, I have a lot of weird sleep issues, but I've never, I've never entirely wanted to point the finger and say anything that I've seen or had happen there. I've never wanted to point the finger at and go, this was a paranormal experience because. By yeah. nature, I am a skeptic person, and I always go to the most logical things that I can as much as I possibly can until I can't reach them anymore, and I don't yeah. want to get locked into what I'm experiencing as one thing or another, and ultimately I come up with is I don't know quite what that was, but I'm not confident saying that this was a paranormal experience or I saw something or this happened, so for now, I'm going to put it off. It was I was in a weird in-between state of sleep. Um there are times that I've experimented with it and had some fun and saw some pretty neat and done some pretty cool things. Flying, floating, things like that are a lot of fun. I can't make that happen at yeah. random. I've done dream experimentation with eating different foods and keeping a dream diary That was fun until my wife told me I had to stop because it was getting annoying to her that I would do weird shit in my sleep and wake her up. (laughs) And I was also, when you do that kind of stuff, you wake up mentally exhausted because when you're sleeping, your brain is downloading doing whatever it does. There's a purpose that you sleep. And when you're doing that, you're not entirely asleep. So when you do wake up, your brain's just not firing in all cylinders because it didn't get the rest that it was required. So I kind of stepped away from all of that stuff. So any kind of quote-unquote paranormal experiences that I may have when I'm dreaming, I don't say, well, that was somebody coming to talk to me from the dead. I'm like, yeah, that was that was an interesting, weird dream because I have yet to have um, – well, when people – we're going to veer off a little bit here. But when people get into yeah, a magical experience – so there's a lot of people that when they get into magic, they felt a calling to somebody. Like our last episode we have on the show, uh, Mortalis. she had felt a calling – um, from somebody, and that person was who she identified with, and I was like, okay, you're my guide, you're the person I'm going to for magic. I've had, I've read experiences where people will, will they've gone and they became uh, a disciple of Hakate because Hakate called out to them or whatever. I don't fault people for that, but I have never had an experience where something has come along and called to me and said, I will be your guide. You know, I'm the one I will take you under my wing, and I will protect you, and, and learn magic, and follow me, and so forth. I've never had something like that happen or come along to me yet. So, when people that does happen to people, great, it's awesome because everybody should have a thing that they can go to, and you know, if that's if that's your anchor, if that's your port in the storm, so be it. Fine, whatever, as long as you're not a dick, and as long as you're not harming anybody or doing anything. <laughs> right. You know, everybody needs their guiding light in some way, shape or form. And if that if something calls out to you, be it a Norse pagan Odin called out to me or Thor called out to me or Hikate called out to me or um, whatever called out to me, you know, cool, whatever. Just be cool with what you're doing. Be nice. Take care of people. You know, don't be a dick. (laughs) But I've never had an experience like that. So, you know, um, and I think you have experience like that. Yeah, not everybody does, and and I have not yet. So that's probably one of the reasons why I've never gravitated towards any one particular study. You know, I find everything interesting. And I also have this weird aversion to, like, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not – the only thing I am secure in is my sexuality. But other than that, you know, it's – I don't ever want to become any one certain thing because once you drop into that, you kind of become, okay, well, like if I say I am a Republican, then I kind of by default have to fall along to all the ideas and beliefs and all of the things that make a Republican a Republican or whatever, whatever you fall into. So, and sure. I, I don't yeah. want to do that because I don't want to have any blinders on to block me out from all of these other things. I want to learn everything as much as I can it's kind of why I do this podcast it's not so much for the listeners I'm doing a lot of this more so I can learn new things and experience new things and and in turn put that information that I'm learning out for other people
2: that's exactly why I stopped calling myself an atheist
1: yeah because that's again as we talked about earlier atheism and skepticism become their own Anti, they become their own religion of anti-belief. Right. You know, or locked into whatever. Science is great. I love science, but yeah, absolutely at a certain point, it doesn't. It's it's like religion. It doesn't have answers for everything. So it's like, all right, you accept everything that science can offer because there's facts and data and things back it and stuff like that. But at a certain point, things happen that science just can't explain. And at that point, it's like, well, it's not this, this or this, and this is definitely happening. So maybe this is going on too. And the problem is we're humans. Our brain can only comprehend so much. And I go back to your conversation with with your friend. We can only process so much at a certain time, and we're kind of locked into this bubble. It's like that meme. There's a religion and spirituality where the fish is in the fish tank, and the fish tank is a religion, and the other fish is outside of the fish tank, and that is spirituality. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to go step outside of these zones and say, you know, and say like you said tonight. I don't know what the user said a couple of times. I don't know what this is. And most people can't do that. Everybody has to have a certain answer for what everything is, and they have to put a dot into something, and they have to categorize everything. And for me, that's that's scary. Yeah, that's well, that's that's how our brain works. That's how we're taught to be. So when you come along, and you know, you get people like us that come along and say, "Hey, we don't. I don't know what this is, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad or good or whatever. It's just let's let's look at this. And it's kind of scary, you know. It's like I said earlier, we're people have abilities and strange things, and they're having a hard time struggling to understand them, and it's not so much, like, I had a friend recently, I'm like, well, what are you afraid of? And they were like, it's not that I'm afraid, it's I don't know what this is, I want to understand what this is, and they struggle with it. I've kind of gotten past that point where I'm like, I don't know what this is, so I'm just going to, you know, (laughs) there's nothing I can do about it, I still have to get up and go to work in the morning, and it's still a part of my life, so let's just explore this the best we can and try to keep our sanity.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm we done with probably are never going to know. Well, <laughs> no,
1: that's the other thing. You have to come to terms with we're probably never going to know what this is, and that is one of the hardest things to come to terms with. It's like I'm never going to know yeah. what this is, but it's here, so I'm just going to ride this wave as best as I can for as long as I can.
2: Well, you know, I, I guess I, what I would ask people, or ask you, or you know, is do you really know yourself? I mean, you, you just said that the only thing you're. You're confident, in really, is your sexuality? Yeah,
1: Great. I know that I'm not you know, gay. I know I'm straight, and right. But I also don't care about people who aren't gay and or, or who are who are gay or, or pansexual, or whatever. That there's there's much sure. greater things in the world to, to, to not like people for. Are you a dick? Yeah, that's a good reason not to like you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, my my point though is just you know sit down and and look at yourself, anybody, and ask yourself. Who am I? Do I really know who I am in a quantitative way that I can write down on paper or or really think about in in some way? And I would say probably most likely the answer is going to be no. You know because we're always changing and we're always uncovering new aspects of ourselves, and we will probably never get to a point as individuals where we do totally know ourselves. And you know if you do out there, if you if if you know yourself and you are really confident in that. Good for you. You know, that's that's awesome. I, I'm not there. I probably never am going to be there. And that's okay because I think, you know, much like with the paranormal or magic or or politics or whatever it is, you know, not knowing is sort of the fun of it for me. And, you know, yes, it is scary, right? It is scary to to go into this or go into anything and, and sort of drop those assumptions at the door and say, I don't know what this is. Let me approach it with an open mind and an open heart and try to understand it better. But there's no strings attached, right? Because especially if you go into it understanding that even though you don't know what it is, you're probably not going to find a definitive answer. It's sort of I mean, on the one hand, it sort of makes you feel like you know what it is, right? Because it's like, oh, well, I, I know that this is unknowable. That's the
1: that's the danger of it, though. Okay? I know everything, right? and then exactly. something comes along. It's like this higher power comes along, and says, "No, sit your ass down. You think you know everything? Now, yep. now, let me throw this at you. <laughs> and you're like, oh
2: shit." <laughs> yeah, and we're constantly proved wrong. And, and I think that's it's like,
1: I got the book finished. No, you got five chapters finished. There's more to this book, sir. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, and that's a scary thing to look at, and you know that's that's what I'm beginning to. I I, I've kind of learned that lesson myself in the last couple of years, and now it's kind of something like the people that are getting into this. It's it's weird because you want to try. Like I don't know if this has happened to you, when people come along and they know that you can do whatever you do or whatever, and they start asking you questions. You know, you kind of like in the beginning, you want to tell them everything, and it gets to like it's kind of like when you were having your conversation with your buddy. It's too much information too fast. And it just, it kind of makes things murkier and more scarier. So it's easier to say, well, where are you at on the road right now? Where are you thinking? Where are you? Okay, let's work from where you are and let's go from there a little bit. And Mm -hmm. here's some directions I can steer you in. Okay, now you have questions. I'll answer those questions as best as I can. Keep going. Okay, this is what I know. It's the same thing when people come up to me and ask me about magic. This is what I know. And what I know is not the right thing. This is just what works for me. And this is what I know about the stuff that I know, and maybe it will work for you and maybe it won't, but if it, even if it doesn't work for you, it, it still gets you into that frame of mind of thinking about things a little bit differently. So, you know, and you, being that you've worked at an occult bookstore, you've probably, um, I, I think, what was it on? It was on Soraya's show on Where Did the Road yep. Go. I think you mentioned that you do tarot readings for people and you've had people burst into tears in front of you. Yeah, that's what, that's the podcast I heard you on. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, How much information do I want to give this person at a time? How everybody has to walk their own path and you kind of have to be cool. It's like, I'm glad you came to me for help. I will hold your hand as best as I possibly can down this road, you know, because it's ultimately it's very scary because like you said, you have to realize what you are and facing what you are and what the things you do and and how you're going to react. That's a scary thing. Facing yourself and what you are is a very scary thing. But you're not going to learn until you face those things. You know you're not going to develop any. further.
2: Yeah, try to try to figure them out. Well, and with the tarot readings, I, I always feel like a terrible person when I say this, but I love to make people cry. It's it's awesome. It's it's really something else. To yeah, but
1: you're not saying that as a point of I love to hurt. Exactly, people.
2: Exactly right. I I love no exactly. I love to provide people a reading in, in 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 such a way that they get something profoundly meaningful out of it that changes their lives that you know makes them realize something or or puts the pieces together for them you know to to help them in some way cuz it's never it's never sad crying you know people burst into tears it's it's tears of joy it's tears of beauty i mean you know sometimes it's tears of okay i really have to face this thing that i didn't want to face but here here it is this reading is telling me the, the thing i was afraid of or the, you know not necessarily afraid of but the thing that i the thing that i suspected is the case and whether it is or not, I mean, that's a totally different question, right? But what, what matters in that case is that person got something useful and you can see it on people's faces. And the, yesterday, uh, no, not yesterday, um, last week, I had a situation where, um, you know, the, the, the reading was very emotional. And, um, this person had kind of started crying before we even got into asking the question. So like, that's a different question or that's a different situation. You know, that person was sad. That person was coming at this, this question of theirs from the heart. And it was, it was a very emotional and sad thing. And I, you know, that's never fun. You know, I I don't, I, I don't want to put people through that, but ultimately this person explained that they, they're just, they're a crier and, you know, that's just kind of how they process things. Um, and it, it helps. And, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to foster that where I can. I'm happy to give people tissues and, uh, and, and hopefully provide people with hope and encouragement and, and a little bit of luck.
1: See, you also deal with Saturn and I'm not big on all of that stuff, but I know Saturn is one of those things where it's like, it, it, it kind of offers a choice. It's like, keep wallowing in this or change, let things go and mm-hmm. change. Um, yep. I think Tool wrote a song about that, Lateralis. Yep, the Grudge. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Grudge. Yeah. Um oh, I knew it was on that album. Yeah, Tool. Yep. Tool actually wrote a song about that that thing. And I also have uh, I have a friend who who's just beginning to dabble. None of none of the whole planetary Saturn Mars. None of that stuff has ever chimed with me. I don't quite get it. I'm not really interested in it. But I know there's some heaviness there, and maybe it's yep. one of those things that I just don't want to deal with. I don't want to get into stuff that far because. You know, it's just not something I was terrified. Everybody, yeah, everybody, everybody says that. Everybody says when they start, and that doesn't sound. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't. It's like my buddies are like, here, you want to try? Let's try some mushrooms. I'm like, I don't want to try mushrooms because I eat edible THC. I I eat gummies and stuff. Yeah, and that's not really a secret anymore. I do it for pain relief. But it was like, you should try some mushrooms sometime. I'm like, no, I have no interest in confronting the things that are in my head. I'm 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 doing okay right now with what I'm dealing with. But that's that's a battle within itself. No, you want me to take yep. a mushroom and, and it forces me to go into this. No, no, it's not like that. I'm like, yeah, it is. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. That's great for you. That's awesome. I don't. I don't want to deal with that. Well, you need to start working with Saturn and Mars <laughs> and and you know and, and all of these different things. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to. Which is kind well, of like I don't want something coming to me and saying, Yeah, I, I am, follow me. I'm because everybody who's had an experience where something has come along and taken them under the wing or they've had some kind of an encounter with a guiding purpose, it's yeah. always been terrifying. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. My life is already crazy enough. So, anyways, go ahead.
2: Oh, well, and, you know, with Saturn and Mars, uh, with the planetary initiation stuff, I was terrified, you know, past tense, right? And 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 up until actually doing the stuff. And both times, in, in very different ways, after the experience, I f- was, I felt amazing. It wasn't even like, you know, confronting a, a hardship and going through it or whatever. It was just like, oh, this is not at all what I, what I was afraid of. This is not at all what I was expecting. You know, this is not nearly as dark as I was thinking it was going to be. Um, it was... Definitely a lot more transformative, especially with Mars. There was a lot more confidence in it, which I, I wasn't really expecting. And in both times, the feeling was very much like uh, I guess the easiest way I could describe it was just badass. You know, it was just like cool. Like it just had a very, like it was just exuding like this wow. Like that's. So when it was all over that's with, cool. did,
1: did something come along and kind of put its armor on your shoulder and go, was that so bad? I mean, did, that, did, it, did you ever have anything like that happen? Or.
2: No, well, kind of like because well, it's no. been
1: described to me as there's this uh, Kabbalah idea that angels and things like that are are all more or less like computer programs. They're not they're not so much sentient. They have a job to do, and you're interacting with these things that have a job.
2: Um, I've heard that too.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're the idea is that. These things, these angels, all of these specific angels, have a specific job that they have to do within the grand scheme of things. And to think of reality as a not, a, well, maybe a computer simulation, but as as a computer, as a computer running, and these angels and all of these beings and all of these things all have jobs to do within that, and that's that's what they are. And everybody likes to think of them as like, oh, yeah, I'll just summon up this angel and have a conversation and we'll sit down and have a cup of tea or whatever. And apparently it doesn't work that way. I don't know. I've never I mean, I do have an amulet of Gabriel that I wear um, all the time, uh, but I don't you know, I've never tried to contact Gabriel or anything like that. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, this is I wear this because I identify with it in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's looking out for me. I don't know.
2: I, I wouldn't even know where to begin trying to put that into words.
1: OK, <laughs> what,
2: what what a conversation with an angel is like, because it's just it's just so strange, you know, I mean, yeah, like-
1: it's again, these are higher things that are above our, you know, they are exactly. higher than what we can comprehend. We're not we're existing within the computer doing our thing. And these are things that are on the outside and making sure that things are happening the way that they're supposed to happen and making and keeping keeping the matrix running. So
2: yeah, and and I think that they are they, in a way they are a, trying to accomplish a task, right? And so you can you can call them processes or, or whatever. You know, I think there's there's often a correlation drawn between like that and the word daemon, which is you know in in computers like a daemon is a process that's that's running. But you know, I think it's it's more complicated than that though, because in the, in the in the situations I've been in, they often angels often feel. Um, like they have a lot of personality to them they feel they feel very tangible and real and they you know they're more they're more than just a, a program just a thing that's you know it's almost like um a river right and 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 the river has this current right but some of them have some of them are really smooth and and just carry you straight down you know or some of them are white rapids you know or or some of them are filled with rocks and some of them have a lot of bends and curves but but they're all rivers they're all a process running from something to something else mm-hmm. and you can kind of get in them wherever and get off wherever that's
1: how i've described people working magic when somebody says what's magic working like and i'm like the way I look at it as reality is a river, and what you're doing is you're you're going in and you're altering the flow of that river in some way, shape, or form. You're altering the current to do what you need it to do. Yeah. And the harder you push on that current, the harder that per- current can push back. So it can get dangerous, and you got to be careful with what you're doing. But it's like oh, a yeah. flow. So you get your, what you're doing is you're altering the flow of everything that's happening. It's not summoning fireballs. It's not shooting lightning bolts. It's not – you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the Harry Potter stuff. You're essentially affecting reality to work in your way. But the harder you push, the more you're going to have to pay for it and the more the repercussions are going to be. So do your nudges lightly. You know, make sure map where you're going to go in this and map how the currents are going to flow or else you're going to get yep. bit in the ass. It's like, don't, don't work for trying to get a thousand dollars. Don't, don't summon a thousand dollars. Work with five, ten dollars. Work with whatever you can get and be happy with what you can get because the bounce back won't be as hard to deal with. You know? Am I making sense?
2: (laughs) Are are you familiar with Rufus Opus's story of, um, asking a demon for money?
1: No. No, I'm not.
2: (laughs) It's, it's a a story that he kind of laid out in seven spheres, but basically he needed like, I don't remember what the number is, so I'm going to say, $20,000 $20,000 just because I think that was close. He's like, I need, I need 20 grand. Let me call up uh, the angels of Jupiter and said, Hey, angels of Jupiter. Um, I need this money, uh, please. Please. And they said, no, 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 no. You have a lot of work to do before that can happen. And he's like, ah, bah humbug. That's, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm going to go call, uh, contact a demon. So he did some goetic work and um, called up a demon. I've,
1: I've heard people tell me these kinds of stories before. <laughs>
2: yep. You can see where it's <laughs> I going. I want this
1: person to fall in love with me. Well, that doesn't work that way. Fine. I'll go to a demon. Well, yeah, that's going to tell you whatever <laughs> you want to hear. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't, you know, love magic doesn't work that way. It doesn't really work at all, honestly. But go ahead.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. No and and the demon it, oh, it totally worked right so he needed 20 grand he went up to this you know contacted this demon said I need this amount of money the demon said i want well, you know i'm i'm um, uh, i'm making this up as as i go along i don't know the exact details but long story short the demon agreed and he said awesome and then you know a little bit of time passed and his house burned down and he got an insurance check for the exact amount of money he needed
1: Yep. But he doesn't have
2: a house anymore. Exactly. exactly.
1: <laughs> That's what I tell people. I'm like, sure, you can do this, but there's going to be – there's payment involved. You know, it's not – there's a given t- – it's it's nature. There's a give and take to everything yep. that you're going to do. So be careful what you ask for. Be very specific about what you ask for and plan what you're going to do to get what you're going to ask for. Um, I had a friend recently, they wanted to get a house and you know, I, I told them, I taught them, this is what sigil magic is. Make a sigil, write, Do the whole thing, write the words out and the vowels, but the whole process, you know what the process is. Yep. You know, charge it. How do I charge? It? Well, have sex, masturbate, exercise, whatever. Just put your energy and attention into that sigil. Some people destroy it. Some people keep it around, whatever works for you. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, but I'm like, just understand, you know, like say I need to get from point A to point B. Um, yeah. I'm not going to ask for a point B right off the bat. I'm going to break it down into steps. What do I need to get from point A to point B? I need to have this happen. Okay, well, I'm going to ask for that to happen. Now that that happened, okay, I've got that step out of the way. Now I need to make this happen. Now I need to make this happen. I'm like, break these problems down into manageable bite-sized pieces, and then that's what you work for in the step process you could ask for you could ask for b but you know you don't, you might not get it and if you do get it there might be a heavy kickback from that it's a lot safer and smarter to go one step at a time yes it takes longer but at the same time, you're doing the work to make it happen. And eventually they ended up getting the house, but they got the house by going through certain steps and things fell into place in certain ways for them to get the house that they wanted to get. Exactly. And they were like, did this did this work? And I said, I don't know. Do you think it worked? Because all of these things fell into place in a certain way for that to happen. So, you know, maybe it did work. But did it for sure work? I don't know. If you believe it did and you got what you wanted and you got where you wanted to be, sure, it worked. Now do it again.
2: Right, And what does it mean for something to work anyway? You know, it's it's so subjective. Yeah, exactly.
1: What does it mean for it to work? Exactly. And I see – and all these – like I'll go into um, – there was a, a, a Wiccan group that – not a Wiccan group. There was a, a weak witchcraft or a practicing witchcraft group today and there's always the new people. And they were in there asking for something along those lines. And, um, you know, they said, you know, is this working? And that was the conversation we had is, well, what is working? How, how did this right. happen for that to go that way? You know? <laughs> and it's always like people don't know anybody. Well, I need, I want this person to fall in love with me, you know, madly in love right. with yep. me. am like, well, you can't alter free will. It, you can go out and ask the universe, I would like to find somebody to fall in love with me. Um, I would like to find the right person or whatever. But if you try to alter free will, sure, that person might – you might have something develop, but it never takes. It always falls apart because you can't affect somebody else's yep. free will. And B, that's selfish. You know, you can't do that. But asking the universe or asking whatever your guide is or whatever power is it be and putting the intention out there, I would like to find somebody to fall in love with me or what have you, sure, that you can do that and you might find somebody. But again, you got to get what's – you got to take what's given to you, you know? Like if I do a money spell – if I find twenty dollars on the ground, fuck, sweet! I found twenty dollars on the ground. This is great. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I asked for money. I got money. I find a bottle slip, a bottle yep. return slip for you know. We got bottle deposits up here in Michigan. You know, oh wow, here's a fifteen dollars bottle deposit. It just happened to be laying up against the tree. There you go. You know? I'll take it. Thank you. You know, it's you know, and it's that. But don't be greedy and be smart about it. And be however you do what you do. Just but you got to do the work. You can't just say. That's what I was going back to in this this post, somebody was like, Yeah, I did this spell and nothing happened. I was like, Well did you do any work to go along with it to you can't just say I want a thousand dollars and expect a thousand dollars to fall into your hand. You know, you gotta go out and do things to make these things happen, to make what you're doing happen to for it to fall into place. And a lot of these people when they do this they buy these – they buy – they'll get into magic and they'll go to the store and they'll buy a book of spells and they'll try and they'll say it doesn't work. And it's like, well, do you know how to focus energy? Do you know how to get yourself into a state of being um, – a mental state to be able to harness your intentions and project these things out there? Just because you're doing a spell doesn't necessarily right. mean it's going to work. Like when I told – I was like, this is how you make a sigil. This is how a sigil works. You're putting When you're writing that on there, you're putting your intention that on there and you're doing work to make that happen. So now that you've written the sigil, don't tell me what you want, but now think about the steps and go out and do the work to try to figure out how you're going to get what you want out of it. I am rambling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) It's it's complicated and it's very subjective, you know. But so you you were saying earlier, um, you're talking about like people who um, run into a situation where like... They're contacted by a deity or 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 whatever, a spirit or a guide that kind of takes them under their wing and says like, "I'll you know I'll help you out."
1: How did you get to where you're at though? Like you had your conversation with your friend, you learned that you could do this stuff. So what led you from this path of being an absolute atheist, agnostic, yep. to okay now you've had this conversation with your friend and that, okay that you've accepted these things can happen. So how are you where you're at now to where you're a practicing magician and you do tarot card readings?
2: <laughs> it's a good question. Um, okay. Is this so, a long story? Or <laughs> um, I don't know if it's necessarily a long story, but it's kind okay. of a, a convoluted story, I guess. Uh, I, for, for all intents and purposes, I guess I'm still an atheist. Um, that's very complicated to say. Yeah, I'm
1: still a skeptic, too, even though I've gone through everything that right. I've gone
2: through. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't call myself how atheist. could you do that
1: well <laughs> but go ahead
2: yeah no well so um you played or you have played dungeons and dragons so you, you know oh, yes you, yeah you'll frequently. appreciate this there's um, i just trapped
1: one of my dice a little bit earlier as we were recording <laughs> oh no
2: uh there's this great idea in D. so if and, and anybody out there who's not familiar um in the world of dungeons and dragons there are gods there's gods and goddesses there's you know whatever there's all kinds of spirits and uh, as a character... And if you play the game,
1: you will become a Satanist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I grew up in the 80s during the Satanic right. so yeah.
2: Yeah, who, who knows? I mean, there's... Yeah. We, well, yeah, we talked about that at the very beginning of this, too. But um, there, you know, as a character, you choose sort of a deity to follow. And especially if you're playing a character like a cleric or a paladin, usually you have some kind of um, alignment with that deity that that you, um, whatever, right. It's part of the game. Uh, so it's a very bold decision in a world like in Dungeons dragons, where gods are demonstrably real to be an atheist. Mm -hmm. Right. So what my, my point here is in my world and my life and my, in my personal experiences, I've encountered situations, you know, like you just talked about with being a skeptic, but still having your own paranormal experiences and such. I have had communication with uh, deities, and, and most particularly with with Hecate, who you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, and that you know that makes me you know it's sort of gnosis, right? It makes you it makes you know uh, in the way that you kind of feel um, without maybe empirical evidence that something is the case, but at the same time, I still maintain um, you know my unknowing, right? I, I guess I, I'm an agnostic, gnostic. Atheistic theist.
1: We are nihilists, Lebowski. Right. We are nihilists. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I choose not to choose, right? Because
1: that's I'll, how I am. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it comes down to with me. And I, I don't want to choose because I feel that that will limit me to and I don't want to be limited
2: you and know? I just don't know. I mean, you know, I have had experiences with what I consider Hikate, and, and, you know, in the deepest parts of my heart, I believe wholeheartedly that that what has contacted me, what I have contacted, whatever that relationship is, is the Greek goddess Hicate. At the same time, I don't know that. You know, A, it could be part of me. B, it could be, uh, you know, anything else pretending to be Hicate. You know, it, it could be something completely different or something completely random or uh an egregore that you know that's just sort of picked up its own its own like um personality and um you know um agency which i i honestly think that that's kind of what deities are to begin with but um are you, are you familiar with the word egregore
1: yeah yeah Okay. Yeah, I have, I have a friend who's, who's gotten very hardcore into the whole idea of egregores. But okay. go ahead and explain it for people who don't know. Oh, I just smacked my hand against the microphone. Oh, are no. editing that out. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, so an egregore, uh, it's a Greek word, I think, but basically it, it, it refers to an idea um, that kind of, you know, it's like you, I pictured it as like a bucket, right? So if you have um, uh, a sports team, you know, like the Minnesota Vikings. Um, there is an egregore for the Minnesota Vikings, and that egregore encompasses the entire team. It encompasses all the people that manage the team. It encompasses the all the stadiums, every single game that the Vikings have played, all of the fans, all of the memorabilia, everything, you know, all the cars that, that have the Vikings logo on them or blankets or whatever. It is all of that stuff is partaking in this this sort of um, it's almost like a thought form, but it's it's an identity and it's it's a it's it's a it's an idea come to life, right? Um, and everything has an egregore. I mean, you you have an egregore uh, of yourself, right? Everybody does individually. Um, we have every single group has its own sort of egregore. Political parties, right? There's the 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 egregore of the Democratic Party. And when we say the Democratic Party, what you're thinking of or what you picture is not necessarily a group of specific people. It is. A set of ideologies. The idea
1: of what the, uh, the Democratic Party is
2: exactly, right? It's yeah. it's a it's a grouping of all of this different stuff, you know. Because you also picture like um, the donkey, and you picture maybe the color blue, and you picture maybe certain states um, or whatever. Because those those things are associated with that that bucket. They're they're in that bucket, um, and those are part of that egregore. So anyway, that's that's what they are. I think deities are sort of like that. I think you know if we have um, Zeus right Zeus is maybe sure let's let's say for for a minute that Zeus is literally an external spiritual being that that um, is a God right um, but Zeus is also what everybody individually believes Zeus is all stacked on top of itself. You know, Zeus is also all of the um, Zeus memorabilia, right? And all of the uh, elements of Zeus depicted in pop culture, you know, in in whatever, different movies and books. Yeah, the guy
1: with the beard and the robe standing in the clouds throwing lightning bolts.
2: Sure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and in some ways, you know, you then draw some very com- com- complicated uh, parallels to other similar gods, right? Like you could talk mm-hmm. about um, Jove or Jehovah or Yahweh Odin. or Jupiter, yeah. yeah, or Odin or a- any of those kind of or Thor. You know, any of those types of. Um, gods that sort of fit that mold and they all kind of partake in the same egregore that sort of sky god egregore right so mm-hmm. i think that i think that what what these are is our human ability to sort of invest our interest and our attention into an idea or an ideology and turn it into something real external from us and those things have power they have power to influence us you know they have power to sway our decisions and to compel us to do certain things um and it's amazing it's amazing how much power they have and we don't even we don't even think about it but so. yeah, it's like
1: branding—the Nike symbol, the golden arches from McDonald's,
2: right, the uh, Apple logo, the Taco
1: Bell. Yeah, the Apple logo. Yeah, again, yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, it's all—it's all part of that. You know, that I'm actually really glad you brought that up. I think um, so. Uh, we were talking earlier. I'm a graphic designer. I've been a graphic designer for about, oh god, twelve years. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. about twelve years, and uh, basically. Um, Graphic design and especially marketing and logo design and and, um, branding, that is all a magical thing. Nobody ever talks about it. Well, I mean, some people do, but like the entire act of creating a brand identity of, you know, like logos are sigils. Yep. Regardless of whether they what, what they look like, I mean, yeah, you, there are some logos out there that look like, you know, Chaos Magic sigils, or that look like the Alphabet of Desire sigils, or, or whatever. But like even the Apple logo, it's it's an apple. Sure, it is a literal depiction. Yeah, but when you
1: see the Apple logo, everything Apple that Apple is and is yep. associated with immediately comes to mind in your head.
2: Exactly, that's that egregore. Mm-hmm. It, it all ties, you know, into that brand identity, and we just don't talk about that. We all kind of know, you know, know that we all sort of feel that when we're um, partaking in advertising, you know, whether you're, um, you know, you've got a, a can of Pepsi and you're looking at the Pepsi logo, or you know, or or your Apple logo on your phone, or whatever the case is, you know that it doesn't just mean the shape that it is. It means all of those things that fall into that umbrella. You know, and with me, like when I see um, the um, uh, Strofalo, so God, blanking there on the name for it, the uh, three-way crossroads, sort of maze um, symbol of Hecate, that immediately evokes the the image and idea of that egregore in my in my mind, and that's a very powerful thing. You know? Well,
1: it's the same thing as the the, the cross for Christianity. You know, you yeah. see that cross with with Christ on it. Okay, that's Christianity. Exactly. You, know, you, you see that the, the 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 symbol the the star of David for Jewish, for you know for Jewish um, all of the, you know the, the upside down pentagram. Boom, Satan. You know,
2: right? <laughs> you sure. Or, or it, you even, a, a, a Motley cover, and you go Satan.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And, and you know, it, it's 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 everywhere. I mean, it's ever it's everything that that utilizes symbolism and imagery partakes in, in egregores. Um, I don't really, I don't really know where I was going with that, but he would ask me something, Oh, you were talking about the, like, how did I, um, get into this stuff or, or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I started trying different things. You know, I, I, I started trying to contact, um, spirits, uh, the goddess Hakate, um, the angelic spirits that, that we talked about, the planetary intelligences, um, and other kind of random ones like just different things you know goetic demons or, or whatever just different different things and almost every single time something would happen and i wouldn't say that it was ever what i expected and i also wouldn't say um it was particularly different from what i expected it, it's sort of hard to describe it was it was Contradictory and paradoxical, but things always sort of worked and didn't work. And it was interesting enough that it kept me going. And then synchronicity started to happen. And that's about the time I started really questioning my atheism and my beliefs in uh, disbelief. Because, you know, and for many years, even while I was practicing, I always sort of said, like, I don't believe in anything. That's kind of the, the line that I used. Like, I don't, you know, not that I was a nihilist, right? But like, <laughs> that i just i just i'm not didn't gonna say leave. it again right.
1: <laughs> it's very no, i wish i had to save that joke but go ahead
2: <laughs> no but but you know that 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 is very applicable but um i don't think i can say that anymore you know i i try to i try to still hold true to that and um kind of remain in that area of um, open-minded skepticism
1: Yeah, um, but what you're doing is okay. I mean, even though you are a follower and a practitioner of Akate and magic and things like that, you are still open-minded. That's one of the things I'm going to ask you. This this may be a dumb question, but again, I'm coming from an outsider perspective. No such thing. In in Christianity – you believe in God and Christ and that's it and if you deviate from that no you can't do that whereas with you are right where you are right now you are a follower of Akate and a practitioner and so forth but you also work with angels planets and things like that so the for lack of a better term the person the person that you're following doesn't ever walk up and say hey and smack you and say what the hell are you doing no no you're mine you know you don't you don't have that problem with where you're at right now correct
2: uh, I have never encountered uh um... Um, something like that or anything. Okay. Uh, I did encounter, uh, I think,
1: or have you had something where it's like, Hey, I'm not working with you because I don't get along with that bitch. So no, no, you know, you haven't had any like that. I've
2: I've never had anything like that.
1: Um, I can't believe I just said it so blase like that. Apologies.
2: Well, I totally know what you mean. Uh, I've never had anything as negative. Um, the, the closest thing I guess would be more in the positive where, um, you know, Hikate uh, kind of showed it's like, up. Yeah,
1: we're cool. We get along. We work together. Go ahead. You know, tell him I said hi. You know, stuff like that.
2: <laughs> right. It was. Well, it wasn't. I mean, you know, I think as far as like working with, I think Hikate is the number one, you know, entity that I do work with or do work for. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, you know, the, the other like, uh, planetary intelligences or angels or whatever those, they, while I, I have a deep respect for them and I've, I've had very profound experiences with those things, they don't feel quite the same to me as, as Hecate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I worked with other deities, it would probably be similar, um, to, mm-hmm. to what Hecate, uh, feels like, uh, although, you know, in their own flavor, in their own egregore, but, um, mm-hmm what happened, I mean, there's two things. I've, I've told these stories um, on other podcasts too, but I mean, if you want, I can kind of go into
1: Well, whatever, you know, th- if you're tired of talking about it and you want to do it in a different way that you haven't covered yet, that's fine too. I mean, I don't want to give okay. you a boring interview at this point. Oh, no. But, no. Um, you know, if you have an abbreviated version of it or something you want to talk about just to get through it, you know, that's fine too.
2: Well, yeah. So I, I encountered um, – what i believe to be hikate in two different dreams uh that were both very intense and very profound in, in very different ways and she looked very different in both of them um in the first one she was uh a, a desiccated corpse on the ground um in like laying down on her back in between um this parking lot and this library like in the threshold of the door um like almost mummified looking corpse, you know, gray skin and long black hair and, and uh, white dress and these glowing orange gold eyes, you know, that it was a very, that whole dream was very, very symbolic. Um, another time I, you know, I believe I encountered her um, and I'm pretty sure she, you know, as a living woman walked right up to me uh, on the street, you know, in my dream and, um, Forced herself on me sexually, you know, and it was a very intense experience. And it, you know, it wasn't a particularly negative experience, but it was certainly unexpected, right? Um, yeah, and and you know, it's it's a hard thing to try to um, parse out, right? Because like maybe that's just me dreaming, right? But then inside, I have this deep feeling that that is this this spirit, this goddess, you know. So it's just, it's just weird, man. It's just, it's like, what am I supposed to make of this? You know, and in that second dream, basically, so she she came up to me, she covered my ears with her hands and um, you know, kind of jumped on me. Um, and when she covered my ears, I felt a little weird. I was like, this is what is happening here. So I, I tried to pull her hands away and I could feel very, very, like vividly, very um, lucidly. I could feel her hands. I could feel the skin over her bones, and I could feel like it was like I was touching a real person. And I pulled her hands off, and and you know she wasn't very forceful. She allowed me to take her hands off. But when I, when I did, I realized with her hands over my ears. I could hear what she was saying. Her mouth wasn't moving, but Mm -hmm. I could, I could hear things coming from her without her hands over my ears. I didn't hear anything. It was, it was like, I was deafened by kind of the, the noise around me, so to speak. But with, Mm -hmm. with my ears covered, suddenly I could hear what she was saying. And it was, it was English and it was, um, a lot of stuff that I don't remember, And again,
1: information download happening too quickly for your brain to process.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, basically there's two things I remember from it for sure. Um, well, three things, I guess. So the first thing in English, um, I don't remember what it was exactly, but she asked me to do something. She asked me to agree to do something and I agreed and, you know, I felt very kind of vulnerable and very, um, you know, like mortal, I guess. And I, 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 you know, what the hell else was I going to do, right? I said, yes, absolutely. And I don't remember what that was. And a friend of mine pointed out, you know, probably when when the time comes to um, do that thing, whatever it is, I'll probably be reminded. Uh, or maybe it's already happened. I, I don't know. Um, and the, the second thing was when I woke up, the only phrase I could remember from what she had said was this really weird phrase that really like still bothers me. And I'm not sure what to make of it. It's been a lot of, like speculation, I've talked with a lot of different people about what it could mean. Um, The phrase was um, coming from her. The phrase was you are my apotheosis. Right. And, and like, I didn't know what that word meant at the time, but I Googled it. And ultimately apotheosis means the act of a mortal becoming divine. Right. So it doesn't make any sense for a divine entity to say to a mortal that, it is their apotheosis, right? Unless you know, I mean, like that doesn't make any sense. And also, I'm very skeptical of any situations where any spirit, you know, regardless of it's if, it, if it's actually a deity or if it's a demon or some random ghost or or whatever or just a figment of your imagination, tries to start convincing you that you are somehow special or somehow you know chosen or divine or whatever. Because we're all just people, right? Mm-hmm. So it is a very weird phrase and. You know, it still bothers me. Yeah, but I don't the know thing is, means. is
1: the idea that – what it posts down to is the work that you are doing, you might be doing work in in preference for that person. It's kind of like a person in Christianity or a priest or something like that or a nun going out and doing work within the world doing God's work. Yep. You know, you – again, I'm speculating. I don't know. How I would interpret that is, is, is that you are doing that person's work and you are affecting things uh, on their behalf in whatever way, whatever you're doing. You know, maybe it's spreading the word of your experience, and maybe somebody out there listening to this right now is thinking of going that because Hecate is experiencing a big resurgence right now and a big oh, yeah. growth um, for whatever reason. I mean, we even saw it in that Sabrina the Teenage Witch reboot. Um, oh, really? After the yeah, because that's the well, the Satanic Church. They had the Temple of Satan and the Baphomet and the Satanic Church went after him and sued them yep. and they agreed not to use it on the show anymore. So they had to have something to worship. So they became they started worshiping Hecate on that show. Huh. Um, and there's that that is that is becoming the new um goddess to go to for witchcraft, uh for yep. lack of a better term. So you know the, what you what you are doing is it experiencing a large growth right now. This goes back, especially I've noticed since COVID started. There's more and more people coming to this kind of stuff, and Hecate is becoming a very big thing. There's all kinds of statues out there. The symbol mm-hmm. is popping up on tattoos everywhere, and all of these different things. So I can see that. I'm, I, I'm I'm interpreting as as okay through you I am you know I am doing my work you are my apotheosis you are you know you're the one spreading you you are becoming you are my disciple so you are putting my word out there or whatever sure you and, know, and so to
2: speak we all are anybody that's yeah exactly about, yeah
1: and God's there's this belief that God's only get their power through how many people that's what the show American Gods was about they only right. get their power through the amount of people that believe in them that's what strengthens them for what have you
2: yeah because those categories
1: yeah exactly and that's kind of my belief about Christianity it's like yes of course they're going to want every religion wants you to be part of that religion A for financial reasons and B to make yeah. the religion grow you know for the most part it's just a matter of how much of a dick you want to be about growing your religion sure. <laughs> and I'll tell you this none of the pagan people that I've ever interacted with with the exception of the white supremacist Nazi assholes that are adopt, adopting the whole Norse paganism thing which the Norse, the Norse pagans are fighting back very fiercely on it
2: thank God um, yeah, like go- uh,
1: yeah. But they're not they're not again, I'm not in this. I have some I have uh, like Visir and a couple of other things tattooed on me, but I am not a Norse pagan. I do like the imagery of it though. But I, you know, we, excuse the term but God bless them for going out and actually fighting back and saying no, this is it would be like like you following Akati and all of a sudden a white supremacist group coming along and saying, well, yeah we're, yeah, we're not followers of Akati. You wouldn't take that lying down. Right. You know, exactly. You'd be like, no, fuck you. you
2: know. Yep.
1: And the only problem is, is they're not getting enough recognition for going out to them and saying, no, these people aren't us. You're seeing it pop up on TikTok and all these other social medias. They're starting to try to reclaim it before it gets out of hand. But at this point, I think the damage is done because I've got some runes tattooed on me, and I've had more than one person. I fit, I fit the model for a white supremacist. I'm bald. I have a beard. Um, I ride a motorcycle. I have these tattoos on me, and I've had quite a few people look at me and be like, "Oh, so you're a white supremacist?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. This is my daughter's names. This is my mother's name. This is a Norse compass that it's, it's Vegvisir, and it means may, may you never become lost. And it's something that I had tattooed on me because I believe very much in." You know, I don't ever want to become lost in life because I'm always going in different directions, and I do like to travel as well. So there's there's symbology in it with me. Yeah. But after I explain that to people, they're still kind of weird about. It. I'm like I have, I'm not a white supremacist. I don't, I don't think I'm the superior race. I, you know, I'm yep. I'm half Native American and half Romanian, so I'm a mutt. I'm not white by, any, you know, I'm white in, in the sense that you look at me, but you know, I think of myself that way. And um, but going back to the whole thing is that. You know, you are by coming along and saying you are my apotheosis. It very well could be okay. You're mine now. You, you follow me, but you're doing my work. You're putting you're putting my word out there. You're spreading the, the word about me. You know, through your actions and through what you do and so forth and so on. And yeah, you know, then you're be. kind of becoming part, you're, you're becoming part of that godliness in what you do. Cause you're not, you're not an asshole. You're not, you're not out there saying, hey, you gotta be, you gotta follow what I follow or whatever. You know, you're not, you're not doing that. You know, you're presenting what you do in a positive light for the most part. Thanks. That's All just right, my opinion to. of it. Now, but if I were you, I know damn sure I would get that tattooed on me. I would have somewhere tattooed on me in some way, maybe in runes or something, you are my apotheosis. Interesting. Because you know, that's the message that was given to you. And for yep. me, if I was given that kind of a message, I would have it tattooed on me or something as a reminder of having that experience.
2: Yeah. That's just me though. Oh, I like that. So, well, um, and I think, I think, you know, you mentioned that hecate has got a, uh, has had, has, is having a big resurgence. Yeah, you know, very much. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I didn't, Okay. So I didn't know about Hecate until I started working at, um, the bookstore, the first bookstore. And I learned about it because of music, because of Wendy Rule, who has a song that's just called Hecate. Um, that's sort of, you know, I just, I really liked the song and I started kind of looking up like, who is she? What is this situation here? Uh, I met people who were already practitioners, you know, people who were Wiccan or doing other kinds of witchcraft or, you know, whatever. Um, and then i decided like i i like this i like this deity i like this egregore i want to kind of contact her and so i um i did a thing to kind of devote my practice to her in a way not not in whole but in you know in a way and it's it's morphed into a much more profound thing since then but i think that was that was a big um, hallmark of my sort of um, coming away from disbelief because of the actual experiences that I had. Um,
1: Again, you are the apotheosis. <laughs> you are or at least a apotheosis, you know?
2: I think yeah, so. a is, is a way to put it. Because I think anybody, anybody who's doing any work for, for or with any deity, you know, if... But I see, I, I still think the word apotheosis is wrong. Unless... The unless the divine is becoming divine by doing their work through, I don't know, through mortals, right? But but ultimately, anytime we're doing well, if religious, that's the only
1: tools you have to work with. Again, they get their power through their belief and true direct interaction. That you know, you are the vessel of the work.
2: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, no. <laughs> I think I think that's that's accurate. Um, it's a really weird thing to try to wrap your head around, though.
1: Well, it is and it isn't. You know, it's you are you are part of that now. You are part of that thing. Yeah. You are part of you are now part of that egregore that we're describing. Right. So to me, it makes sense. It does. I, I don't, I'm not having a hard time wrapping my head around it. <laughs> um, maybe if that if that was actually the word. Well, let me ask you this. I'm assuming that now that you're a practitioner of this, you are you are in contact with your deity on a regular basis. I don't I, I'm I don't know if you pray or or how it works, but. Have you ever just sat down and said, "Hey, what what's going on here? What did you mean by that? What 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 do you want me to do? What am I is, is there something that you want me to do here with this or something?" You know, it's, it's, cause that's like one of the, like the big thing about Christianity is go out, go forth and get, make more Christians. You know, you don't really don't hear that in the pagan, yeah. in, in the pagan witchcraft, wicca community or anything like that. Most of it, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this. That's one of the things where I really gravitate towards that realm of all of it because everybody's doing what they're doing for themselves. Nobody's out there trying, no, nobody's tried to convert me over to becoming a, a practitioner of Akate. No one's tried to, uh, try to convert me over to the old form of Wiccan. Uh, what the heck? Am I, I'm having a stroke right now. I can't remember his name, but the guy who was Gardenarian Wiccan? Yeah, Gardenarian. Yeah. And try to convert me over to a Gardenarian like that. Um everybody that I've ever had any of these conversations with, everybody's been cool. And everybody's been like, "Okay, well that's not your thing. That's fine." Yeah. Whereas in Christianity it's like, "No, if you're not doing this, you're you're wrong." And then it breaks down to, "Well, if you're not following this kind of Christianity, you're wrong. Yeah. Well, if you're not following this Christianity within this Christianity, you're wrong." Yeah, and if right. you're not a Scientologist, you know, whatever, there's Always somebody trying to convert you, and in that community, nobody comes along and tries to convert everybody. They might have disagreements, but these are the people that like you go to you go to a pagan festival, and you'll have all these different people. And at the end of the day, they're all just like, yeah, let's go have a beer, you know? Right? <laughs> yeah, I well, do I, this. I do. That. Yeah, I follow Odin. Oh yeah, well, cool. You know, how about the Knicks? How do you think they're doing? Oh, they're great, but I really think the <laughs> other team. You know? Yep. And that's what it's. They don't argue the aesthetics of what they believe, and they just want to kind of say, yeah, we're we're of the other. You know, and then when you get in, when you get into the pagan communities within those communities within those groups, then you have people fighting and stuff like that. But it's not like like you're not going to have you're not going to have a gardenarian flying a plane into a building, you know, in the name of right. gardenarian. Yeah, you know, it's it's a totally different concept, and that kind of what draws me makes me interested in that world because people are just a lot more laid back and chill. I mean, there are disputes within the communities, and it does there get is. pretty dirty. But on the whole. You know, most most of these people are pretty chill and pretty cool.
2: You know, like, <laughs> we're all we're all weirdos, and I think we all kind of recognize that about ourselves. Yeah, and, and everybody
1: kind of says, "Yeah, we're all we're all kind of weirdos here. We're all kind of we're all kind of doing our own thing, and I'm not hurting you, and you're not hurting me, and you know, you're yep. gay, okay, whatever. You know, it's that's one of the things that I like. Like, I'm in I'm in a lot of these groups and stuff, but being like um, a lot of these a lot of these Wiccan practices they cater more towards either the feminine or people of homosexuality or transgenders and all that. And I really don't – I'm not like that. I'm not gay or anything like that. So I'm kind of on the outside looking in. I really don't feel at home in those communities. But I do very much enjoy watching what's going on and learning and seeing all the processes and things that happen.
2: That's interesting. You know, My my roommate has said something very interesting or very similar uh, recently with – um, and I think the reason for that that idea that like those communities tend to cater more toward the the feminine or or gay or whatever mm-hmm. is because well, you know historically, and I think it's it's has more downtrodden
1: to, and outcast and looked down upon, and that's a community that says come on you're you're welcome here, you are embraced here.
2: That's a really interesting way to look at it. I did not look at it that way, um, but you know I think that's that's absolutely a valid part of it, being sort of outcast and um uh, disenfranchised or marginalized, right? But that, that's absolutely a part of it. But I think, I think another part of it is sort of um, being like you could be
1: in the witch community and, and, and the witchcraft community and be like, yeah, I'm gay, and I was like, who cares? Come on, right. we love you. You know, you your your family here. Nobody bats an eye at it. Whereas that's true. If you're a Christian and you're gay, whoa.
2: <laughs> but I mean, even looking back, you know, looking back hundreds or, or thousands of years at other um, magical traditions all over the world, you know what what you see is it's usually women or it's usually um, like more effeminate men or, um, you know, or gay men or, or whatever, you know, and I I don't you it
1: in shamanism all the time.
2: Sure. and, And I don't have any scientific evidence for this or proof for this or anything, but from the patterns I've noticed, it almost feels to me like what it is, is that whatever magic is, whatever it is that we're tapping into with this stuff is sort of on that side of things. It's on the mm. more, on the more feminine side of living. You know, it's, it's, it's an aspect that's a lot more emotional. It's a lot, you know, and by that, I mean like in, yeah you know, um, empathic or in touch with um, emotion in general. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's not so, um, you know, like like I've also fast. seen in
1: the, um, in, in the Wiccan and in, in that community – I use the term Wiccan as a blanket term. Sure. But men are are allowed in there, but they're kind of secondary or, or there, is, there is an equalness to them there, but both sides of the – sexual spectrum are respected in their own ways. Yeah. Uh, but it's still primarily a feminine thing. And none of this I have a problem with at all. I I think you see the same thing happen with the followers of Santa Morte. Yep. Uh, Santa Morte the death saint is, you know, these are people that are drug addicts and homosexuals and downtrodden people that go to the the Santa Morte the the Saint Death. Because they're welcome there, yeah. like death doesn't care, and and they're like, yeah, I go there because I'm I'm welcome there, I'm, I, and I'm accepted, and and nobody bats an eye. And I think I see a lot of that happening in a lot of these groups and stuff, them, that and that's one of the underlying things that when most men are commenting on these things, vast majority of the time they're gay or transgender or whatever. And you know, again, it's like cool. You know, everybody should have a place to go to sure. feel yes. safe and secure and welcome and wanted. And all of these things, and it's like me and you were talking before, I I don't care about a person's sexuality. There's a lot other things out there that are worth not liking a person for, but sexuality and what a person does it in their bedroom or whatever, how, whatever. Are you a cool person? Yeah, you're cool. I like you, you know, whatever. Cool. Not a big deal. I'm not into that, but I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to fault you for it. It's not hurting me any. That's the way a lot of these communities look at that kind of stuff. And, you know, good, go for it. You know, that's, that's, if you've got nowhere else to go, every, you know, everybody needs to have a place to go to be loved and have a community and feel welcome. And, and it's, it's very important to, to have those kinds of things, you know, yeah, absolutely. so sure. Have at it, you know, but, and, but and uh,
2: oh, sorry, good. Well, go ahead. so I was just going to say my, my roommate brought up this, this thing recently that kind of blew my mind where he was saying, I didn't even think about this cause you know, I just, don't think about these things, but he was talking about like magic and, and, um, you know, um, not even magic, but just like, um, gosh, introspection and like, um, thinking about the world and our place within the world. And he, he was saying that like a lot of the stuff he's into, People, you know, back in the day or, you know, when he was like in high school or whatever, would look at him and say like, oh, you're, you know, you're a fag. Right. Pardon. Yeah. Pardon the yeah, language. So that's, I guess. The,
1: that's the era that I grew up in. I had a lot of friends that were gay in high school and they were friends with me because they knew I didn't care they were gay. That was a double edged sword because they also have a, I had a bunch of gay friends that were like, oh, they're telling me their problems. And I'm like, man, I wish I could help you. I can't relate. I'm not wired the same way you are. I'm here for you. Cry on my shoulder. I will be your best friend when you need me. But by the same token, they were friends with me because they knew that I wasn't going to call them a fag and I wasn't going to look down on them and I wasn't, you know, I was going to
2: keep their secrets, you know? And this guy is straight though, and he doesn't, he's not a particularly feminine person. But what what it is, is like he's, you know, he's really interested in gardening. And he likes growing flowers and he likes, you know, walking in the woods and he likes, you know, he, he specifically buys plants and plants them in the yard to attract butterflies because he likes butterflies and stuff like this. And he was explaining all this to me and he's, and I I was sitting about there, like thinking about it, like, I guess I never associated that kind of stuff with either, you know, feminine nature or um, yeah, it goes because the macho mentality. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's, that's, that's supposed to want to go out and
1: eat beef jerky and lift heavy objects and, and grab chicks by the ass and all of those kinds. Of, I, I was raised by women. So, you know, I, I was, I was always in an environment. I was raised by my, my mom and my grandmother and my aunts and stuff. I was raised without a male environment, um, around me to grab onto any of that macho, be a man kind of stuff.
2: Thank you. I don't and same with sexuality. I don't believe that it's a hard and fast like this or that. It's not a duality. It's you know, when I mean, we could talk all day about like the gender binary and what that means and, and yeah. why, you know, whatever, right? But like I think that it's more complicated than that. And I think I think that's the same with like religion and magic and you know, and the paranormal and all these other things. It's it's it is a spectrum. It's a spectrum of experience that we don't, you know, you can't just like lump people into just one side of it completely. Like, So, I mean, I don't know,
1: but it all goes back to, in the end, it's like we were talking about before at the end of the day, most people don't think about this. Like you probably, when you were younger growing up, when you were, because you were growing up in a world where this is the way you're supposed to be or whatever. Yep. Now that you're older, you probably don't give much of that stuff a second thought anymore. You know, it's yeah. just you've just accepted what you are and how you are and people around you accept you for what you are. So it's not a big deal for you anymore. But now you're more just concerned with I need to live my life. And that stuff is secondary. Either accept it or don't. Leave me the hell alone if you don't. You know.
2: <laughs> you mean like being pansexual?
1: Yeah, you know, just whatever. I mean, now I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't speak for you, but you know, is it still a thing for you like it was when you were growing up or whatever? Because now you've moved on to other things in life.
2: Yeah, I, I when I was when I was like a teenager and like figuring out my sexuality and stuff, it was it was yeah. a lot more. Um, you know, I was growing up in an environment in in rural Minnesota exactly. where yeah, where you you could not be anything but straight and if you were people like there were literally situations where people would like throw stuff at me and like spray oh, yeah. perfume and call me names yeah. and and so i just i just like hit it for a long time you know we talked about sort of being yeah. in the closet i mean that's that's very much a thing but it's you know as soon as i was able to kind of like get into a better environment and be you know out of the closet in that respect you know it occurred to me like you're saying like I don't think about that much anymore because, yeah, like exactly. that is just a part exactly. of who I am and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just matter. a part of
1: who you are and it doesn't matter to you anymore because you've accepted it and the people around you probably have and you've moved on. I got to laugh. I, I, my, my daughter has a lot of gay friends and I grew up having a lot of gay friends as well. Um, but my daughter, uh, the younger generation, I was sitting around, we were sitting around, she had just moved in her house and a bunch of her friends were there. And, um, um, two of there's two girls that are married, and I love them to death. I watch these kids grow up, and when they finally came out, and I'm like, listen, if if your parents don't accept you, I will be your dad. If you kicked out, I have a room. I think nothing of this. It's not a big deal. I will I will take you under my wing if you need me to. And I've had that conversation with many young yeah. people, but we were sitting around outside talking and they were, you know, I'm like, I don't mean to sound like the old man, but I'm like, you guys, I know it's still a struggle for you guys, but I'm like, you kind of got it made because when I was growing up, if you were gay, you got your ass beat. You yep. couldn't talk about it to anybody. You had to be very careful about who you came out to, you know, but yeah, nowadays absolutely. the kids just don't care. They They just don't give a shit anymore. Which is kind of cool, but at the same time, they're like, yeah, we get picked on and stuff like that. I'm like, yes, you do, but you need to understand that the people that came before you that paved the way for you, they had it really rough.
2: People got like,
1: killed. You pee- yeah, people got killed. They got their asses beat. You know, even even if people suspected you were gay, you know, you got your ass yep. beat.
2: Thrown in jail. But nowadays, kicked I mean, out yeah, of the you couldn't walk
1: down the street holding hands. You couldn't kiss in public and stuff like that. Nowadays, Fired. they're just like, yeah, this is what I am and I don't give a shit. And more and more people are coming out and being what they are and stuff, but it's kind of like. You know, it's hard for me to say to him, but I'm kind of like, you know, you need to understand that, you know, you guys don't care anymore because it's more accepted now. But there were so many people before you that didn't have it this way and they had to, you know, they had to. It, it, pride's a thing now. Pride is, pride is everywhere. You know, but back then, you couldn't wear you know, no, companies wouldn't support pride or because yep. it was bad and it was looked down upon. Oh, you know, man. and I kind of just want to be like, you, I sound like the old man, back in my day, you couldn't, you know. <laughs> That's what I feel like sometimes. And, you know, they, they kind of look at me like that way, but at the same time, they kind of know where I'm coming from. And I'm like, yeah. you need to, you know, appreciate, really take some appreciation of what you are and what you can do. And just, just don't take it as a given because people had to fight to be where you guys are at right now. You know, I don't know. I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but I just kind of those moments where I was just sitting there thinking, "Man, I'm again." Here's me, here's me, Grandpa. You know, having this conversation, you know, with these kids, like you know, Bark and Mar day You know, then well, the- again, coming from a straight man sitting there talking to a bunch of you know, buying and gay and buying gay and lesbian kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I'm kind of looked at as the cool dad amongst the circles. Are like, oh yeah, he's cool. You know, but come on out here, have a drink with us. And I relish in that. I love that fact that I, I'm very open and have a good. I'm still. Very young at heart. Um, and I, I, and I want to be that way up until I die. I want to die when I'm 18 years old. (laughs) It's the way I look at it. So, anyways, I've had you on here for a long, long time. This is probably one of the longest shows I've done in a long time. We're going on about two and a half hours, two, two hours and 40 minutes now. Yep. So, um, We've, we've discussed a whole lot of stuff, which is funny because we have really no idea what we're going to talk about when we sat down here. Um, and I do have a great vibe with you. I enjoy talking with you a lot. Conversation flows very well between us.
2: Yeah, man. Um, I, I like it. Well, I told so, you, I, I said we could talk about pizza toppings and we'd probably fill two hours. <laughs>
1: we, I, know, I think off the air we probably could. We, yeah. I don't think we'd have a problem with it. But uh as at the end of the show I do this with every guest that comes on the show, um, talk about you know, Pimpware if you have any books out, you have a tarot deck that you've made out, I know. Yeah. Um you also have your podcast. Where can people find your podcast if you want to talk about your tarot deck? Anything that you want to put out there right now, go right ahead.
2: Sure. Well, um yeah, so the tarot deck's called the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. Um so you can find that at Sigilarconum dot com. Uh that's S I G I L A R C A N U M dot com. Um yeah, and then uh, the podcast is the Green Lion Podcast. Uh, I think the website for that is something like greenlinepodcast.sounder.com. <laughs> you don't even know
1: your own podcast website. <laughs> well, it's it's a Sounder website.
2: But, I mean, you can also yeah. just search Green Lion Podcast in any podcast um, app, okay. and it'll show up. Yeah. Um, and that's really the only thing I've got going on. I guess I have um, a website for the Green Lion stuff, but it's very much under construction. Uh, but that's greenlinepublishing.com. And uh, I guess hit me up on Twitter. I'm uh, uh, Edic, A-E-T-T-I-C.
1: Yeah, I just noticed today that you I, that you were following me because I, I hadn't been on Twitter in a little while. I jumped on a tweet deck to see what was going on and check how my stuff was going. And there yeah. you were. And I'm like, oh, wow, we've been following each other all this time. <laughs> yeah, so, there
2: you go. Because
1: <laughs> yeah. you just kind of popped out of nowhere and you're like, yeah, I listened to your show and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, how come I've never – it's weird. I've been doing this for going on 13 <laughs> years now. And I always think, man, I can't – there's nobody more I'm going to meet now. I always get to a point where it's like I've I've met everybody on the show that I'm going to meet or I've affected everybody that I'm going to affect. and and you know you lose listeners and gain listeners and all these things over the time and every once in a while somebody new pops up or somebody will say hey yeah you've really influenced me to do this or that and you know it's it's really cool to hear from people out there that you know you reach a point well I guess this is it this is the highest I'm ever going to go this is the most that's going to happen and somebody you know like you comes along every once in a while and it's it's cool to meet fresh new people and oh, and have man. good discussions like this on occasion. So yeah, oh, you know, thank you for coming here.
2: I'm glad I could uh, shake up your world. <laughs> thanks for talking to me. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a fun chat.
1: Hopefully somebody out somebody out there listening got something out of this. I hope so.
2: <laughs> I hope so too. And if not, well, you know, that happens. Thanks
1: for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, Taylor. I, I hope to do so again soon. So, yeah, that was a fun, interesting show for me to do. <laughs> if, if you've made it this far, that means that you uh, were able to make it through my tired, over-caffeinated rambling. This is why when I go on other podcasts, and I don't do that very often, because I get very nervous about the spotlight being put on me. And I don't like to put a whole lot of myself out there for the most part, um, especially with a lot of this kind of stuff, for, for pe- worry about how people are going to look at me and how they're going to think and what they're going to think of me and I don't want my opinion to affect what's going on, you know, as far as guest interviews and stuff go. I'll, I'll do things in interviews and, and things like that to push things along and stuff, but very seldom do I like to talk about my views on things like magic and religion and, and all of these different things because they're just, they're just odd topics for me to talk about. Strangely enough, here I am hosting a podcast on this kind of stuff, but this is just how conversations with me and Taylor are. Even when we're off the air and we and him talk on the phone, we'll start talking about about something and it'll turn into talking about tabletop board games and Dungeons and Dragons etc and then the next thing you know we're talking about tarot cards from different people who manufacture tarot cards and different esoteric ideas and thought concepts and you know the whole conversation with Egregors came about that way and um, we were talking about me going on his show and having some kind of a follow-up um, in regards to my ideas and, and different things that I'm into as well, but I told him I would only do it if Stephanie goes on there with me because she's kind of this motherly older sister figure that's helped me through a lot of this kind of stuff. But we'll see if that's going to happen. I don't, you know, I, I don't know when or whatever. It's up to Taylor to get in contact with me and say, "Hey, what's going on? You know, do you want to do this?" Uh, do check out his podcast, the Green Lion Podcast. That show is a lot like what we just talked about here, and he's still finding his way on that show and finding his feet. So, uh, yeah, give it a listen. It's a lot of fun. Or if you want to listen to him, he was over on Where Did The Road Go with Soraya and I believe Ren Collier. I think he's been on there a couple of times. And then he was also on with the guys over at Normal, another fantastic, excellent show that's in my family of podcasts. Uh, both shows are people that I have a lot of respect for and look up to very much. So, having said all of that, the uh, show is going to be going on somewhat of a hiatus here. And yeah, I know I say that all the time, but summer's here and we've been, you know, three quarters of it's over with, but we spent, you know, a year locked up and everything is just catching up with me. I've got trips to go on, I've got family stuff going on. My guests are in the same boat. The people that I'm trying to get on the show to interview, um, they're also in the same boat about having stuff going on because it's summer and everybody's catching up with stuff. I've got a few books here that I have to read. And um, I'm just cutting back a little bit to, because I'm just getting overwhelmed. I'm cutting back to take care of all of this. So it's not fading. We're not going anywhere. And I did say a while ago when we did the the quote unquote reboot that I'm going to be taking more time with these episodes and I'm not just going to be putting episodes together to put them out there. You know, I'm going to be, hunkering down on stuff that I'm more interested in, or as always the idea of Archivist has been to take these topics and cover them differently or cover different topics than most people that are out there talking about this stuff do. Because we're not quite a paranormal show. I don't know what the hell we are. We just talk about weird stuff. And the other thing is I've also got the other podcast, which is Old Nerds Drinking, which is myself and my buddy John just sitting down and nerding out about different topics. John runs that show, and John is also kind of in the same boat where Summer's here. He's got a family, and we're all just busy, and I play a different part on that show. So between both shows, it's like, ah, got to pump the brakes here a little bit and just settle back a little So, uh, yeah, you're hearing from me a little bit less because I'm booked up. I've got a trip coming up in August and I've got I may have another one coming up down to Florida in October and I got to see how all this stuff plays out right now. So, yeah, that's that's the hell that is my life right now. Anyways, some shout-outs. I'm going to give a shout-out to my friend Jenna Ross, who's somebody that I just recently met through Facebook, through one of the groups that I talked about on the show tonight. She runs a Facebook page that deals with um, teaching magic practice, uh, different concepts of Wicca, and that facet facet of magic. And another guy, James Wilson, who gave me a very, very kind compliment over in the Radio Mysterioso uh, Facebook page, Um, so James I appreciate it Um, hearing people say stuff like that is kind of what keeps me going because every time I'm like okay I can't do this anymore I don't know if anybody's listening out there is anybody actually getting something out of this and then when somebody new comes along and posts a comment and says hey man your show had an effect on me that is like a shot of heroin into my arm or something for lack of a better term I don't know how else to express it so thank you very much James I appreciate your compliments and I appreciate you being a listener Having said all that, I'm going to let you people go because I'm starting to babble and I've got a lot of crap that I've got to do. So this is Rogan. Peace out from Detroit. See you again soon.